0: Gary Hoffman, yeah. you it, baby? Shannon Barron I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon.
1: Sauce. That is not Def Leppard. That is some sort of cover of Pour Some Sugar on Me. And we cannot, we can't do that. It hurt my ears. Yeah, that that's like sacrilegious. Me- uh, it's it's like slapping fault. a baby.
2: Does it say Def Leppard? Def Leppard original soundtrack. Mm mm. Original soundtrack. It
1: must be from some is that sort a movie of they weird. Did? That wasn't Def Leppard. I feel sick. I do too. Oh. And I don't know how to. <laughs> No, you're making it worse. Yeah, totally them Oh, it is. Oh, that's hey, weird.
2: Maybe that is. That did not sound like Oh, my
1: first. God, not at the beginning. Wow. Maybe.
2: Blake, our apologies. Yeah. We, Man, we are so sorry. We apologize. Your knowledge of this uh, show, late 80s music is ridiculous. This show will right? now be
1: dedicated to Blake. Sorry, Blake. And John and Ken.
2: We thought your brain was an asshole where music knowledge went to die. That is
1: not the case. <laughs> that is not the case. I had so much fun listening to John and Ken's greatest hits yesterday afternoon, <laughs> uh, especially their stuff from 1988 when, you know, you heard like... Uh, uh, I think it was Andy Kim or something, which was a much earlier record. That I think that was the first record that they uh, talked into when they started together oh. in 1988. Yeah.
3: yeah, I think one of the best parts was uh, John was introing the station, like, the first day they were there, and he got it wrong. He yeah. got the call letters wrong. He got wrong. the
1: call letters wrong. I <laughs> love that he had set classic his, John. Classic John. He had set his, uh, his alarm for 5 o'clock at night instead of for 5 in the morning. So he got there, like, 15 minutes before his first show started. I thought that was classic, too. Um, But, yeah, it was good times. And so we decided to have 1988 as our flashback Friday year. Beautiful. Because I also heard Wishing Well on the way into work today. Oh, Terrence Trent Darby. Oh, yeah. And that's a fun one. That's a fun record. (laughs) I think
2: I'm going to feel sick on that one, too. Man, we have a bunch to get to. Uh, We'll get into the whole president's comments and the fallout thereof. Whether he said it, whether he didn't, all of that coming up. We will have an update on the mudslides down, uh, or I should say up in Montecito. And we have, unfortunately, more uh, news about the lives that were taken as a result of those mudslides early Tuesday morning. Also a good uh, cold, well, it's not a cold case anymore because the guy confessed to it. But this is up in uh, S-Town, Shingletown, up near Redding. Uh, This guy had it on his conscience and went to a TV station and said he was going to admit to a murder from, I think, 25 years ago. It
1: just really solidifies my feeling on murder that even if you get away with it, you don't get away with it because you're always looking over your shoulder. You always have that weight on on your shoulder if you're not a psychopath.
2: Yeah. but Is that why you haven't killed anyone yet?
1: Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Catholicism and Catholic guilt is good for some reasons, right?
2: (laughs) Eric Leonard's going to join us. We're going to be talking about past criminal cases involving L.A. County Sheriff's deputies, uh, a secret list of uh, problem officers that they may have had, also terror in the skies. We'll get into gas fantasy foreplay for this division playoff weekend uh, in football.
1: And those sex parties in Silicon Valley that we told you about, looks like Elon Musk was at one of them. Ah, I knew it. And he's talking about it. That's why his rocket uh, fell into the ocean allegedly it happens to everyone no but we gotta start with the giant elephant of a story in the room did he or didn't he say asshole now you and i unlike every other media outlet that is so excited that they get to swear on the air i don't feel compelled to say the word
2: there was an author i think his name is donald miller who wrote about learning to swear when he was a kid And he said it was like the tingle that you get when you put a 9-volt battery on your tongue. Like the very first time you get to say the F word out loud to somebody for some reason, it tingles on your lips. And I feel like people like John King and Jake Tapper and... All these guys from CNN who are like, God, no, I'm going to I know this is going to be crazy, yeah. but I I and I apologize ahead yeah. of time. But he said S.H. and then they'll say the word. And, and- I
1: just can't get over it. it. It's just there's no purpose for it. There's no need to it. You can asterisk out the I and put it on the crawl yeah. or say he said hole but he didn't. Water it down.
2: It's on there right now on CNN. CNN they're, they're can't little...
1: can't get over it. I mean, I've seen hole on the crawl for 24 hours or not 24 hours, but ever since it happened, right after right our after show, right after our show is when right. we first saw it. I mean, come on, NPR was uh, just uh, I mean, talk about spackling, spackling. Uh, they were excited <laughs> to talk about hole and it, uh and it involving the president and uh if he said it. What is, appears to be a very racist, if not just dumb, racist comment.
2: OK, let's go back to the beginning. Um, the president was meeting with members of Congress in the White House during an Oval Office meeting. And according to The Washington Post and now several other outlets, but The Post was the first to say it, he questioned why the United States would be accepting more immigrants from Haiti and S-hole countries in Africa. When he was talking about he didn't like the bipartisan immigration deal that had been brought to him. So. Saying
1: he would prefer immigrants from countries like Norway instead. Now, pull the car over like really quick. He just met with the Norwegian prime minister the day before yesterday, yeah, the, the day before he said this. And,
2: and you all know somebody who has recency bias. You all know somebody yes. who's going to say something, uh... Gosh, I think the greatest movie in the world was uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Right. What was the last movie you saw? Ex- Star Wars The Last Jedi.
1: Exactly. Everyone knows that guy. And sometimes those guys are a little older. And Anyway, he, it wasn't because Norway is lily white. It was because of his recency bias, like you said.
2: Okay. Now, the, we have to kind of approach this from a couple of different ways. And I find it unfortunate that we have to do this with this president. But the... Dick Durbin was the only, the only Democratic senator in that meeting, from what I understand. So Dick Durbin is the guy who comes out, the senator from Illinois. He happened to be sitting right next to President Trump the other day. I think it was, uh, was it Wednesday when they had that big roundtable meeting at the White House where the president allowed the cameras to stay in? Dick Durbin was sitting right next to him. This is what Dick Durbin said today. After he originally revealed the comments yesterday, and then the president came out and said, I didn't say that word. I did use harsh language, but I didn't say asshole. Here's what Dick Durbin said.
4: As Senator Graham made his presentation, the president interrupted him several times with questions. And in the course of his comment, uh, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. I use those words advisably. I understand how powerful they are. But I cannot believe that in the history of the White House, in that Oval Office, any president has ever spoken the words that I personally heard our president speak yesterday. You've seen the comments in the press. I have not read one of them that's inaccurate. To no surprise, the president started tweeting this morning denying that he used those words. It is not true. He said these hate-filled things, and he said them repeatedly.
1: Now, who is lying? Is it the president who thought that when he's in the Oval Office, he can say whatever he wants and it doesn't leave? Is it Dick Durbin who wants to paint this guy into a bigger bigger monster than Dick Durbin already believes he is? The president took particular issue with his characterization of what he said about Haiti and Haitians. He said, never said anything derogatory about Haitians or other than Haiti is obviously a very poor and troubled country. Never said, take them out. Made up by Dems. I have a wonderful relationship with Haitians. Probably should record future meetings. Unfortunately, no trust.
2: One of the other criticisms is that Republicans, in general, the Republican Party hasn't come out and said much about this, but that specifically the Republicans who were in the meeting didn't come out and say
1: this. Paul Ryan has said that Donald Trump's vulgar slur about African countries was, quote, very unfortunate, unhelpful. Was he in the meeting? I don't believe so.
2: There there were two senators, two Republican senators who were David Perdue of Georgia and Tom Cotton of Arkansas. And their response was, we don't. Recall him saying those comments okay. specifically. Well,
1: that is what you say when you're on the witness stand. Right? They're not going to say anything. Exactly. They're just going to say they don't remember, they're and not. then they're wiped of any uh, wrongdoing. It's not a lie if you say you can't remember. Here's
2: the problem. Here's a problem. If you find yourself applauding the president referring to these places as s holes, you got to look at your own backyard.
1: Not have, only we that, We have plenty
2: of places in this country that are assholes, just as bad as you would find in Haiti or El Salvador or any of these Eastern African countries that he was referring to.
1: Not only that, but you're wildly <clears throat> uneducated.
2: Yes. He's never been to Haiti. That's the thing. He's, he's never been. I don't know if he's been to El Salvador or not. I am assuming he's been to Africa. I know the guy travels a lot, but... He's
1: Look not... at your backyard and then get the hell out of your backyard and go somewhere. And go somewhere that's not a five-star hotel. Well, it, the thing It's is, not all asshole territory.
2: You, you don't get – yes, there are asshole countries around the world. And there are portions of great countries, Norway, that have areas in them that are assholes. And there are terrible, horrible countries where the governments are corrupt – where, where death is a commodity, where they kill people if they don't agree with the ruling party, where you uh, you have people in horrible uh, conditions, lack of health care, lack of education, whatever, right? Lack of access to, to good food. To all. And there are plenty of those things here in the United States. The question is, there are... A, or I should say this. The statement to remember is there are amazing people who come from asshole countries and make amazing things happen in this country. And there are some horrible people who come from amazing countries and do bad things here in the United States.
1: You cannot. And there are a number of Americans that go places and do bad things. There's a number of Americans that go places and don't do amazing things. We're all the same. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's all the same. Uh, Frank Luntz is a Republican pollster, and he quoted a report about education. And he said 43 percent of immigrants from these S-hole African countries have a bachelor's degree or higher. That number is much smaller for the American population. It's 33 percent. Nigerian Americans, for instance, have a median household income well above the American average. And they're all people. There are people who will listen to those stats right now and get pissed off. Well, why why aren't those degrees going to Americans? Why isn't that high income going to Americans? Why not us first? And those are the people that applaud because they just don't get it. I understand the, the, the thought process. I just find it wildly narrow and ignorant.
2: Can you be can you be stupid and not racist? Or I should say, can can that's you make a comment that that's is stupid thing. but not racist? So I, that's
1: I, how I, I felt when I heard his comments. What? I felt like they were stupid.
2: But racist?
1: I felt like they were ignorant and not to get all up on a high horse and call somebody ignorant. But it shows ignorance when you say an entire country is an asshole and those people should not come here and t- leave them out. Um It is because you don't understand, you don't fully grasp the whole picture. Right. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if stupidity is is racist or not. It it certainly is, but can you be at fault for being racist if you don't even know that you're uneducated If you don't even know what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know.
3: There's been like a a series of different comments, though, that the president has made. And every time, you know, he kind of gets that little excuse. Well, it was. Stupid to say that he didn't really necessarily mean it that way. How many times can you give that allowance, though, for all of these different comments?
2: Right. I mean, this goes back to At what point does it reach critical mass and you go, you have to come to the conclusion that that there is racism there? Here's
1: another another question. Didn't people come to America to escape their s-hole country? Here's the other point. All those people in Haiti who lost everything because of the 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 natural disasters that happened – D- didn't we welcome them here in part because that's what we do Yes aren't we moving away from our our identity from the very beginning if we start shutting people from as whole countries?
2: well there's there's no reason why we as the United States don't have a moral and ethical duty because of who we are and how successful we are and the people that make up the country that we would have a responsibility to help those people in need right? In times of danger, I don't think anybody would argue with that. The 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 earthquake that hit Haiti eight years ago. In fact, I th- this may be the anniversary of it. Wow! It was either yesterday, it was either Wednesday or today. Um, th- we we have a duty, we have a responsibility. All first world nations in this on this planet have a responsibility to help everyone in times of disaster. In the context of immigration. You have to determine whether or not you want individual people in here. That's how we've done it. That's how we've always done it. Or we should, I should say, we should do it this way. You ask individually, what is it that you can provide to the United States? Or what is it about your situation that makes it so dire that you can't live at home and you have to come here individually? I
1: love that. But. Where I have a problem with it, and maybe if the president had a problem with this, too, this might be a more popular thing to take issue with, is when we look at different populations or different people in the whole world, and it's this part of this visa program, I forget what it's called, where it's like, oh, they're underpopulated in the United States. Let's bring uh, X amount, a number of these people into our country, the lottery program. Thank you. It escaped me. That's a problem because then you're not looking at individual people.
2: You're just checking boxes at that point. Right. And I I know this is the thing is I know that going through and looking at individuals as opposed to countries or ethnicities or races or whatever and using that to determine who comes in, it takes a lot of manpower to do that. that and I think it's worth it for us to be able to put that up. I think it's worth it for us to be able to have control over our immigration system. But to, to simply paint a picture as this being an asshole country or that being an asshole country and who we want and who we don't want, makes zero sense. But but to your point, what you said a few minutes ago, it is clear every single one of us has ancestors that came from one of those asshole countries or one of those asshole situations that we tried to get out of.
1: So what do people say to that argument? That our America first people, let's take care of our own first. What do they say to that? Do they say, well, the door is closed? Uh, we're all full up here. Max capacity. I don't know what the I don't know what the answer to that argument is for people who say we should take care of our own first.
2: How about a bright spot? Let's give away a thousand dollars.
0: Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200.
2: Don't forget to answer the phone when they give you a call if you win. And we'll give away another $1,000 next hour, the hour after that, the hour after that, the hour after
1: that. I really would like to know what the, what the answer to that is for the people who believe that you know, we should take care of Americans first because I understand that way of thinking. I really do. Um, I understand that we should take care of us before we open the doors and let uh, other people in. I get get that way of thinking. I just want to know... What your answer is when the argument is, well, aren't we a nation built on people that let everybody in more than they were having trying times? Isn't that what what we're made up of in our big American quilt? All different kinds of
2: threads. Devil's advocate is just recency bias. Same thing that the reason why he would even use the word Norway. It's that lately their parents or grandparents lived in Kentucky, not Croatia or Yugoslavia or Russia, wherever they came from, Ireland. I mean – Places that we now look at as, you know, first world countries that we were so uh, we hated Irish when they came over. That's Do you the want to thing. talk about how that, dirty and drunk and bad those people were one hundred and fifty years long ago? ago. But now we would never, we would never think of someone from Ireland as as dirty or or that they would be a a, a drag on our system. It's that there are still pockets of this world that suck. And and we, for some reason, feel like if you come from a country that sucks, you're going to then suck the air out of our country. That's not that. That's not what happens. There are plenty of people, though, who uh, would otherwise support the president, support the president's general immigration policies, who have taken issue with this. A guy named Ramesh Panuru from uh, the National Review, by the way, incredibly conservative publication says uh, most of the outrage that's greeted the report has been directed against the idea that we should discourage immigration from places that are poorly or badly governed. Uh, American immigration policy is has usually not followed that principle. The skills-based reform of legal immigration that the president previously endorsed would not discriminate in this fashion. It would welcome highly skilled people who are getting out of asshole countries. That's exactly what he has said. We don't want to take the poor, the downtrodden – sorry, uh, Statue of Liberty, I apologize for what I'm about to say. We just want to bring the brainiacs in here. We want to bring the people with the college degrees, the doctors, the scientists, uh, the, the phone service technicians. We want to bring in the people who are going to benefit our country. We've always wanted that. And that's why but the we've legal also, immigration system is set up that way.
1: But we've, we've also always – Taken in the poor people, the Irish, the potato farmers, the people who had nothing that came over here. You know what I mean? It's always been a place where the poor people could come and make their lives better. And that's why my question is what's the deal? Are we all fill up here? Is that what we're saying? We've got enough poor of our own now. We're going to change the way that our uh, mission statement is written in America. If that's the case, you know, if that's what people are thinking. All right, let's go from there. I just don't know what what the answer to that argument is. President Trump also uh, made news overnight talking about not wanting to go to London to open the U.S. embassy, not wanting to be the ribbon cutter. Uh, And the tweet went something like this. Reason I canceled my trip to London is that I'm not a big fan of the Obama administration, having sold perhaps the best located and finest embassy in London for peanuts, only to build a new one in an off location for $1.2 billion. Bad deal. Wanted me to cut ribbon? No. Uh, All right. Let's just uh, pull the car over there. Obama was not the reason that the embassy moved. The decision to move the embassy was based in George W.'s administration. It was announced in October of 2008. But the reason that the location was moved is because this was a building That was completed in 1960 and it was not up to standard. Um, It was going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars and several years to upgrade this thing. The new building, it's larger, it's more energy efficient, it makes more sense financially and from an efficiency standpoint. Is the location as good? Hell no, not even close. But they weren't so worried about location as they were about money and getting things up and running. Was it sold for peanuts? We don't know. There is no way to know what that is. The price has not been revealed. But another U.S. diplomatic building at the same spot, around the same spot, was sold for about $500 million at the time 10 years ago. It's pretty good, right? I doubt that they'd sell it for peanuts when we're talking about the actual embassy, especially because it was sold to a Qatari group that plans to turn it into a hotel. Talk about money, <laughs> money pits. They've got a lot of money there. So it'd be a, it's not entirely it'd be
2: the president, by the way, right now is getting his medical checkup. Oh, right now. He's supposed to get his first official medical checkup at Walter Reed Medical Center. And the president. Um, the doctor who's doing it is supposed to issue a report, and then next week is going to do an entire news conference at the White House about the exam
1: today. Oh my gosh, it's going to be this president is he's the, in the best shape of any president well, his age in the history. It's of not war. that
2: wacky, long-haired, freaky-looking dude uh, from New you York. It's buy... the actual presidential doctor who's you been can... on the job for four and a half years.
1: Oh, it is. Yes. So he was this is a, okay. a
2: Navy doctor.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
2: Not some like quacky toenail doctor who's. Yeah.
1: I was just, just going to say you can buy a doctor to say anything. No,
2: no, this is a legit. This guy, this guy is legit. Um, By the way, feel free. Abs, feel free to write us emails about how wrong we are about all. I, I want to hear it's, it.
1: I do. Well, it's just.
2: First of all, why? oh Why would we want immigrants from countries that, in fact, are assholes? I'm not arguing that some of these places aren't. They don't have horrible conditions. They do. It's you cannot then say that everyone from that country is s like I mean,
1: Ireland back yeah. in the potato famine, right? Yes. That country was an s hole. Everyone came over here. It, from time to time in the history of the world, time places are going to go through evolutions right. and things.
2: It's just it's, it's a little frustrating. Mia Love, by the way, Republican congressman, congresswoman, sorry, from Utah. Her parents are from Haiti. She was born in Brooklyn. She's in Utah right now, representing the state of Utah. The first black woman to represent the state of Utah uh, ever. She came out and said, "The president has got to uh, ha- has got to walk back these comments. They're unkind. They're divisive. They're elitist. They fly in the face of our nation's values." This behavior is unacceptable from the leader of our nation. She said, my parents came from one of those countries. They took an oath of allegiance. They took on responsibilities of everything that being a citizen comes with. They never took a thing from our federal government, worked hard, pays taxes, rose from nothing to to take care of and provide opportunities for their children and taught their children to do the same.
1: Tommy writes to us on Facebook, wow, Gary and Shannon, you guys are so naive with the immigration issues. And? Totally that? happy to get your opinion on that, but show your math. Why? Why are we naive in your opinion? We put out some, some legit questions. Just answer.
2: Oh, we got a break. I didn't realize you keep talking so long. Oh, for. my God. Sorry, Julie. Whoops. Uh, we may have to revisit a little bit of this. We also have a terror in the skies coming up as well.
1: Yes oh, well tea.
2: Gary Shannon.
1: Love Cheryl love writes to us on but Twitter at man. Gary and Shannon. You can be racist even if you are ignorant of the people you are speaking about. People who are racist have no desire to educate themselves about supposed, supposed s-hole places. Ryan wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon. The countries they talk about leech on our economy and taxpayers. I think our country should be looking for people specifically for the betterment of our nation. Yes. Everybody, we don't, everybody agrees with that. Don't cut off Ryan. Sorry. We don't need more poor. We don't even take care of the poor we already have. Go drive by Santa Ana on the 57 and do something there. The USA has turned into the crazy cat lady with a bunch of strays. Listen, That's I... That's a good point.
2: Okay, so my connection to uh, to... Haiti specifically. I've been there. My kids have been there. My wife was there a couple dozen times over the course of the last uh, uh, 15 years. And yeah, there are places that are assholes. Yes. I don't think anybody denies that. I don't think anybody says, oh, this is just a vacation haven. Everybody loves it. It's fantastic. Everybody knows that's not true. The quest, and to, to that point there, that comment about, you know, you do something in your home country first. Absolutely. I totally agree. What are you doing? How, I cannot tell you how many times my wife her, heard the comment, why are you going there? Why would you do that for those people and you don't do anything here? Well, there's two comments. Number one, you don't know a damn thing about what I do here. And second, what are you doing You're the one sitting over there casting stones, but you're unwilling to get off your own ass and do something for the people on the uh, in whatever the riverbed in Santa Ana. It's it's frustrating that people get to you don't get to just sit back and, and cross your arms and say, well, they're poor or they're different. and We don't like them. And stay out. Get you don't get you don't get to just say that without having some amount of activity behind you.
1: Rick wrote to us on Facebook and I'll uh, get through the cuss words he uses to describe us um, and then get more you
2: than me, right?
1: uh, No, we're both together in this. Um, And he addresses the Ireland analogy. He says, yes, we gladly accepted white people from Ireland and Italy and Poland. That's who we were then. The difference is we at the time did not hand out handouts to them like we're doing like we're going out of style. We were not going broke by letting them in. Most everyone now coming in from S-hole countries are poorer than S. Get on our dole and stay there permanently. They are of no help to our country.
2: Okay, let me, I'll say this, my conclusion about this whole situation, about what the president said or didn't say and the context of immigration. Here's, this is my, my feeling. First of all, I think if he said it, I'm going to assume that he did just for the purposes of this illustration. If he said it, it's shameful. It's shameful that he would use language like that to talk about people who are not as well off as he is. That, that bothers me because what he did was he referred to those countries, but then swept into it every individual person who lives in those countries. That, that's the frustrating part about it. Second thing is I agree with him when it comes to immigration. I agree with him that we need to change the way we allow people into this country. I completely agree with it. I, there's no – I have zero problem with there being a complete top-to-bottom overhaul of why and how and when we allow people into this country. We've
1: seen proof that that needs to be done time and time again with people who are able to come into this country through uh, their family or through through whatever, the lottery visa, and they do us harm. And I get that, and I'm with you. It should be a case-by-case basis, unfortunately – and, and maybe it should be slowed down until we can handle right, it that way. Right. Um, but in terms of people who need help, people who live in countries that have been devastated by earthquakes or tsunamis or whatever, that can't stop. You know, That's I, just not human.
2: I think he could have saved himself. The president could have saved himself. And I I mean, this is obviously Monday morning quarterbacking on all of this. Had he said, we don't want people from those s hole governments. Because if you look at the corruption in the countries that he's referring to, it's the corruption that has devastated those places and not allowed them to get out of the third world status that they find themselves in right the country of Haiti would be a brilliant Caribbean vacation spot how many how many dozens if not hundreds of vacation spots in the Caribbean are there that are accessible to you enjoyable, fun places to go exciting. Haiti could be that place. It was at one time. But through a series of I mean, just devastating corruption uh, and and ridiculous dictators that have uh, lorded over that country, it can't get out of where it's been. Well,
1: you can make the same argument for Mexico so, and the corruption that goes on there absolutely. and the government uh, screwing over their people. I mean, there's a lot of bad governments out there have screwed over their own people. Well, what do we do to fix that? Nothing.
2: And if you're the Clinton Foundation, you turn around and give billions of dollars to those same corrupt government uh, officials in Haiti where the money goes nowhere. One of the guys actually makes a good point. What The earthquake was what, eight years ago? It was eight years ago. Almost to the day it was eight years ago. And there are still streets covered in rubble in there. There are still tent cities from eight years ago. Tent cities that are still there after this earthquake. Is that because they don't rebuild? No, no, it's because the money that was promised then gets siphoned off by government officials who live perfectly fine. They don't live with pigs running through the sewer. They don't live with amputees uh, walking down the street left and right. They live way up on the hill in their own gated communities.
1: I don't think it's black or white either. I think you can have a heart and want to get people out of these devastated areas and you want to welcome them in. But also you realize the financial strains and the fact that we don't take care of the poor here. So I I can see both sides, but certainly, like Paul Ryan said, the rhetoric that was used or allegedly used is not helpful. It doesn't help anything. You know, the only people it helps are the people who get to to swear on the air for the first time and they get all excited about it. Good
2: Lord. Their tongues tingle when they get to say asshole. This
1: is the thing. It's a complicated issue, Uh, you know, and if you come down on one side or the other Wholeheartedly, and don't understand the other side, then you kind of don't understand the whole then problem. In, then
2: you're in the same position of using the word "asshole" to describe these countries. You're not helping the situation. <clears throat> anyway,
1: we're late again.
2: I know. When we come back, we're going to do the uh, the terror in the skies. Uh, Shannon was found on a uh, on a Ryanair flight.
1: That's not true. Mm. I have mm. uh, been off the Chardonnay, and this is this isn't. The new Shannon.
2: Gary and Shannon will continue.
4: Maybe, just maybe, naughty girls need love too.
1: In defense of this next passenger... I believe we've all had this moment internally on a Ryanair flight. I don't know about
2: that. It's time for Terror in the Skies.
5: Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough
0: is enough. I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this money. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. I
1: actually believe that uh, taking Xanax for a flight may have begun on a Ryanair flight.
2: Just as a practice in general?
1: Yeah, because it's terrifying.
2: Um, uh, There was a Ryanair flight on its way to Dublin, had to make a stop in Spain because a drunk woman uh, forced a plane to make this unscheduled stop. She was going off on some people.
6: Take me out! Take me out! Take
1: me out! Take me out! this is a Take me and yeah, she's not uh, a dude, tiny lady.
2: What I love is that the 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 rest of the the passengers they're all just kind of standing there or sitting there, obviously in somewhat shock. But until she starts throwing punches, nobody says anything. Right,
3: and then she does, and they go, "Hey, hey, come, hey oh, on. God, come on, come
2: on, what too are we? Far. What are we come to now, huh? <laughs> are we animals here?" She
3: bops them pretty good, though. Yeah, she
2: did get them pretty good. Um, one traveler said that I've never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, it's, <laughs> It's a pretty good video. We're trying to put – we have at least a link. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, you can listen to the full audio, and there's a link there for okay. you to watch the video. An Next.
1: unnamed flight attendant did an interview with Vice and revealed secrets of the trade. This one's kind of uh, – everybody knows it. She says nobody switches their phones off on planes, not even staff members. You don't need to turn your phone off. You don't even need to put it in airplane mode. They just don't want you really talking on it. And, of course, it won't work at some at some elevations. But well,
2: this is an – this to me is an uneducated flight attendant cuz she says i guess at some point something had to have happened for them to have made the rule at least that's the bs excuse they gave us during training <laughs> why you don't ask you don't you don't drill down on that well what what was it that happened exactly what happened and why is it that we ask people to do that
1: she says there's an ideal time for joining the mile high club And it's right when food and beverage service begins. The flight attendants are busy. You go in there. You get a couple extra minutes in the uh, lavatory. A little sexy time. And on top of everyone's fecal matter, if that's what you're into. And uh, coffee. Don't drink the coffee on the plane. It's the same potable water that goes through the bathroom system. She says, (laughs) we recently had a test for E. coli in our water, and it did not pass. (laughs) Then the maintenance came on, hit a couple buttons, and it passed. So avoid any hot water or tea. Bottled in ice is fine. Oh. Annoying passengers get ignored. Niceness will go a long way on a flight. Are you annoying to the flight attendants? No, of course not.
2: Do you ignore them like they're the little people? No. it's very nice of you. I've flown with you and Oscar, and I think the rudest of all of us is me.
1: I agree completely.
2: But I thought that... In my defense, I thought it was Antonio Villaraigosa coming down the aisle. Well, you
1: reclined your seat. Right. You put on your uh, skin mask on your face. (laughs) You had a stuffed animal with you long day it was a long day coming up next eric leonard joins us looks like the district attorney's office is examining some past criminal cases involving la county sheriff's deputies it's all about a secret list of problem officers and eric will have the very latest when we return to gary and shannon soundtrack to Cocktail that we all had. Elizabeth Shue. Tom Cruise.
2: And didn't uh, John Stamos play drums for this song, for the Beach Boys? Oh, I
1: did not know that. Or at least in that.
2: the video he did. I don't know Music if in the, the studio he recording he did. but yeah. <laughs> That's great. Welcome to the 80s. 1988
1: all right. is our flashback Friday year in honor of the John and Ken Show, 30th anniversary this week.
2: As we, uh, as we have been doing for the last couple of weeks, we're giving away $1,000 an hour. So we'll tell you in a few minutes how it is that you can win that. Uh, we will do so through, I think it's about uh, through the 6 o'clock hour tonight on Conway's show. He'll give it away and then we'll start it all again on Monday morning, giving away $1,000 with Wake Up Call and Jonesy right there. In the 5 o'clock hour.
1: Coming up a little bit after noon, we will go live to Washington, D.C. to hear more about this S-hole fallout. That's good.
2: Stuff falling out of the S-hole. It's good. Mm. And the excitement with which uh, all of the people on CNN are getting to say it.
1: Well, there is a secret list making its way through the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. Or at least one unit. A secret list of criminal cases featuring L.A. County Sheriff's deputies. Eric Leonard joins us now with all the details. Eric, tell us about the secret list.
7: Well, what happened here is that the uh, the L.A. County District Attorney's Office has agreed or has decided to begin going back through thousands of criminal cases that involve a select number of L.A. County Sheriff's deputies whose names appear on a list that was prepared by the L.A. County Sheriff's Department last year. Well, no, last last year, 2016. Their naughty list? <clears throat> it was the naughty list that we first reported on in the fall of 2016. And there's several hundred deputies on this list. The Sheriff's Department sent warning letters to the homes of the deputies on the list saying, by the way, we've re-examined your personnel files. We've Realize that we caught you lying, beating your wife, making up stuff in police reports, long list of things, dishonesty, misconduct. And this list is going to be turned over to L.A. County prosecutors because the sheriff's department at the time believed that in the interest of greater transparency and preventing problematic deputies from being sworn in under oath to testify, prosecutors should know who the worst offenders were among its sworn deputies. We report that on the air. The Sheriff's Deputies Union, uh, later, late in 2016, files a lawsuit to stop Jim McDonald from turning this list over to prosecutors because in California, police officers are protected by special secrecy laws that don't apply to anybody else that say, if you're a cop and you break your department's rules and you do something bad and the department punishes you for it, those records, and even the fact that it happened, are considered secret. And nobody can know about those things, even if those things play into your possible character or credibility in court, unless a judge decides that it's relevant to an ongoing criminal case. So virtually never. Certainly the public doesn't get to know. And McDonald, and at the time, uh, the former assistant sheriff, Todd Rogers, told me that they're like, look, we don't want these people representing the sheriff's department, period, but we can't fire them. We want them uh, to not be on the witness stand uh, conveying critical testimony in a case where the defense could turn around and say, but wait a second, what about these Inst- instances where you lied on a police report yeah. or you planted evidence on somebody.
1: Why'd you lie then? And now we're supposed <clears throat> to take your
7: word as truth? Exactly. So the union stopped him from turning over the list. That lawsuit is now at the California Supreme Court, and there's going to be argument and hearing later this year, and a ruling that could potentially be earth shattering for police in California. It will uh, quite likely change California law, uh, and that special law that's protected police officers for for lots and lots of years. In L.A. County, uh, back to the reality, we've been trying to find out more about the people that are on this list and what's happened. The L.A. Times was leaked an old version of the list. So not the one that was in question about being turned over to prosecutors, but maybe a draft from six months earlier, we've heard. And uh, some of the names on those uh, of those deputies were included in a pretty exhaustive published report maybe two months ago or a month and a half ago where the Times described uh, what the misconduct was. And they were things that most people, I imagine, would be fairly alarmed at, especially since a lot of the people on the list have since been promoted. They're certainly, uh, the large majority of them are still on the Sheriff's Department being paid and could be called into court at any moment.
2: Well, reading through some of the things that they're accused of. No, not that uh, they're accused of. They did. And were punished for it. That's why they're on the list. Okay, well, then my reaction to it was why did the punishment not include dismissal from the sheriff's department? Some of these are ridiculously bad.
1: Is that because of liability reasons?
7: It's really difficult to fire a government employee, let alone a sworn peace officer government employee. And oftentimes these cases are adjudicated through an internal trial board at the LAPD. It's called um, a board of rights. The sheriff's department has something similar And instead of the case being aired in public in criminal court, uh, oftentimes the cases are handled in the internal review process, which is covered by all these secrecy rules. And then uh, deputies are punished for things that might be really bad and they go right back to their jobs.
1: How many cases are at stake here?
7: So what's happened is the district attorney's office still does not have the list because, remember... List is being stopped by the union that's challenging it, and the Supreme Court's going to rule. However, based on the news reports, the sheriff, the uh, the L.A. County District Attorney's Office is now going to start going through its own records. The DA's office has a database, which is pretty interesting, that would allow one to search based on the name of an individual. And the DA's office can then find out in its database whether or not that person was ever subpoenaed to testify in a criminal case so they can take the names of the deputies run them through the database and pull out a list of cases where this person came into court swore on the witness stand to tell the truth uh, and their testimony was used in that trial so what the DA's office is doing and eventually will have to do if they get the entire list is reverse searching its database saying okay here's the names let's spit out a list of all the cases they were involved in let's go back to those cases and find out exactly what testimony this particular person offered.
1: I have a question. Because
7: now their credibility could be severely questioned.
1: Why is the DA's office doing this? Why aren't they just sticking their head in the the sand and saying, we don't have the list, and why aren't defense attorneys doing this work? It would seem like they're the ones who would want to bring this whole thing to light. Well, a couple of reasons.
7: One is prosecutors have a legal obligation to turn over to defense lawyers exculpatory information about the evidence they're presenting and that includes the testimony and the character of the witnesses
1: post haste
7: well but well, post conviction yeah well i don't think so well they're uh, yes and no uh, there's there's two different rulings that i've been told uh, kind of cover this issue the problem is if defense lawyers start going back through and uncovering this sort of thing it's going to land at the da's office then they anyway. have to
1: go through and do that
7: they may but, as well do the work now hmm Um, especially because there's going to be lots of cases where somebody comes in and testifies, yeah, I was standing on this corner and I saw the car go by also. It amplifies what six other witnesses said. So that's a case that you might set aside and say, okay, let's not focus on that. Let's look for the one where it's only this particular individual's testimony that maybe sent somebody to prison. Um, Another wrinkle in all of this that's worth mentioning is that the misconduct Issues that are dealt with through the secret process are often the same kind of criminal matters that you and I, ordinary people, would have to face in criminal court. But because the DA's office in L.A. County for many years, I don't know if this is true today, but for many years had the philosophy that it is very difficult to prosecute a law enforcement officer because witnesses tend to or juries tend to believe police officers more than the general public, oftentimes, even when police officers were accused of a crime, most commonly domestic violence and DUI, the DA's office would decline to file criminal charges, even though they would file criminal charges against ordinary people. And they refer the case to the police department for administrative proceedings. So what you have here in this misconduct list is not just deputies who maybe misreported the gas left in their patrol car at the end of the shift, the things that are in there would be criminal for ordinary society. But because of the way prosecutors and police departments work with one another, the list includes things that would in any other circumstance amount to a criminal record. That's why the sheriff's department under its newest leadership of Jim McDonald felt like prosecutors need to know who these individuals are before they file criminal cases based on sworn statements from people who in the past have been less than honest.
1: It's interesting. I mean, it makes you think about everybody who testifies at a trial. Sure. And is their whole uh, history uh, able to be brought up? You know, if I say I saw Eric shoot Gary Hoffman this morning when I was on the way to work... If I'm on the stand saying that, then is somebody able to come up and and, and reveal my uh, my criminal past? No, or and, my... It, and
7: it doesn't happen automatically in court either. It's up to the trial judge to decide if the misconduct in the background of the individual who's testifying is relevant to what's coming up in court. How
1: would a DUI for a cop be relevant for him testifying in a murder trial 10 years later?
7: Probably not. But if the same deputy's making DUI arrests, then the fact that that same deputy has a DUI conviction might be relevant to the case. And it's up to the judge. It doesn't just happen automatically. The defense lawyers aren't allowed to just bring this up. Okay, It is subject to uh, an in-camera review by the judge before the records are even turned over.
1: So would both parties be be a party to the the background of a a particular officer?
7: Up until now, it was almost always the defense lawyers who were the ones inquiring because the the, I don't know if it's legally the burden, but it was usually the defense who would say to the judge, we want to, they'd call it, uh, it's either a Brady or a Pitches motion, depending on the particular circumstance and the court venue. But they would make motions that are named after two major court decisions that govern whether or not they're allowed to prowl into the background of the officer. And it has to be recent. It can't just, it can't be 15 years ago. It has to be relevant. It's got to have something to do with the core credibility of the person or have some other connection to the actual case they're talking about. And, and the like one, you
2: said, maybe it's just a similar case that this deputy was accused of that they're now on. the And the one I've testifying. heard
7: that comes up, the, the two that I hear come up most often are domestic violence and DUI. Um, there was a sheriff's detective involved in a very high profile murder case who was being prosecuted for beating his wife at the same time he was testifying in the murder case. And that was excluded Because the judge said, hey, that's, you know, maybe he's a creep at home, but that doesn't reflect necessarily on the credibility of the testimony in the homicide case. Um, Stuff like that happens. Jim McDonald, the sheriff, has told me, former assistant sheriff Todd Rogers told us in an interview that the whole idea of doing this was to uh, show that the sheriff's department has clean hands in its interactions with prosecutors. and Um, And again, this is not stuff that would be turned over to us, the public. It, we wouldn't know about this. This is just for the district attorney's office to use in guiding the way cases are prepared for trial. Um, and the the challenge to all of this that's being brought by the sheriff's union, ALADS, is before the state supreme court. And the state supreme court could quite possibly change this in, almost impenetrable shield that police officers have had in California for all of these years that protects their disciplinary records from anybody finding out about them. But
2: you said at the beginning, this is specific to California. Our laws here are much more protective of that information than other states.
7: Our laws here are very unusual. When Bill Bratton was the chief of the L.A. Police Department, this was the, the needle in his side every day. Because in New York, he would tell me, we caught somebody behaving badly at work. He'd put a poster with their picture up, In the roll call room of the police station, say, hey, don't be like that guy. Look what we caught this guy doing. doesn't mean everyone got fired, but the public knowledge of it uh, went a long way to keeping people on the straight and narrow. Here's the flip side to this. Because the disciplinary system is secret, police managers who don't like individuals in their department, maybe ones who are critical of the management, maybe ones who say, hey, you're uh, messing with the crime stats, They can put that officer on trial in secret. Nobody can know about it and potentially destroy and ruin their career in secret. It's like
1: kangaroo court. So the
7: secrecy kind of works both ways. Uh, On the public side of it, all of us, yeah, I'd like to know if the person responding to a 911 call who makes a domestic violence arrest himself maybe has a history of domestic violence and maybe that person should be in a different job, maybe – The flip side of it is police officers, uh, depending on how vindictive the management is, can be nailed for things that they can't speak up about.
1: Eric, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Anytime. How about
2: this? How about we give away a thousand bucks?
0: Your shot at one thousand dollars
2: now. Text
0: the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200.
2: And do not forget, if you do win, they will give you a call on your phone, but you're going to have to answer the phone. It might be from an uh, unrecognized number, but if you don't answer and you're the winner, they're going to move on to somebody else and you become the not- winner very quickly
1: we have been following the murder investigation into the death of blaze Bernstein. body who was found in that orange county park after uh missing after the story was he went with a friend to this park 9 30 10 30 at night the friend says oh, i don't know where blaze went then i went to my girlfriend's house then i didn't hear from blaze on snapchat so i went back to the park in the middle of the night all very shady especially since he couldn't
2: remember His girlfriend's last name or where she lived.
1: That's a problem. Yeah. Well, it looks like DNA, forensic evidence gathered at the scene is where the focus is right now. They say this will help identify a potential suspect. It's interesting what information detectives release, right? You don't know if they're releasing certain information to get somebody a little jumpy. Get somebody to start chatting online. Get somebody to pick up the phone or maybe drive somewhere.
2: Or to get them uh, uh, relaxed, perhaps. Or relaxed. Maybe maybe they just give enough information where whoever it is that did this feels like the cops are on the wrong road and uh, they do something, like you said, and slip up and start bragging about something that they shouldn't.
1: The friend, when they brought him into the interview room in Orange County to talk to him. By the, by the way, they say the information that he gave them throughout the interviews was fairly consistent. Well, when they brought this kid in, he had scratches, abrasions on his hands, dirty fingernails. When asked about these abrasions by detectives, the young man said they were from a fight club he participated in.
2: I thought you weren't ever supposed to.
1: That is the first rule.
2: It's the second rule, too, isn't it?
1: hmm. Yeah. Now that you mention it,
2: so he broke the rules. He's out of his fight club. That's for sure.
1: He says he fell into a dirt puddle during the sparring. Well, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Okay, Could it be that both of these kids were in said alleged fight club
2: is it and that possible? this kid
1: was beaten to death?
2: Yeah, it's possible.
1: But from what we know about Blaze Bernstein, the murdered mm. child, he is not the type of kid that would join a fight club. He was writing for the Pen Appetit newspaper magazine at his Ivy League college. These are not the participants in Fight Club the last time I checked.
2: Um, The the most specific uh, update on this Blaze case is that the Sheriff's Department in Orange County says that the detectives have now obtained three search warrants in connection with the investigation. Uh, Yesterday, we told you about one, but there have been a couple of others. They said that they are not identifying any person of interest. They're not going to talk about the evidence that was cited in the search warrant affidavit. Uh, they did not release any of the details of the autopsy that was done on Wednesday. They have not told us about how Blaze was killed, but that they said that DNA evidence from his body and the crime scene uh, is given uh, being given a rapid examination for potential suspects. So I, I, I get my gut feeling is... They know exactly who they're going after here. They haven't named him as a person of interest, him or her. They haven't uh, specifically said that there's anybody that they're looking at particularly. But I can't imagine that based on the details that we do know, and they are going to know a whole lot more than we do. It's sort of like the, uh, you know, just the tip of the iceberg cliche. They know exactly who they're going after, and they're just trying to, to button up this case clearly before they present it to the uh, to the DA's if office. If
1: this kid didn't have his uh, stuff together to the tune of having dirty fingernails, the abrasions, the whole thing, and not knowing a, a girlfriend's name or location and making up a fake person, then it's going to be quick work for them. It's very sad.
2: the um, the The tragedy of all of this, uh, mm-hmm. or I should say, one of the layers of the tragedy of all of this is that he was the oldest of three kids, so he's got a couple of younger siblings. And uh, Blaze's mom said that just in the last year or so, Blaze, nineteen, and his fourteen-year-old sister Bo became very close in this last year, especially since Blaze was, you know, finishing up high school, getting ready to go to uh, getting ready to go to college. And she said in an interview he really started to enjoy her and her antics, and she looked up to him. Uh, the L.A. Times did a story about how when she told Bo early Wednesday that her older brother was, was dead, that the girl went through a scrapbook and discovered a letter that Mom had written Blaze on the first day of school when he was in the first grade. And she wrote way back, this is the September of 2004, she wrote him a note, again, his first day of first grade, my stomach clenches a little bit, thinking of my tiny little boy walking to class by himself, but I know you'll make it to room 16 when I leave you at the curb of Foothill Ranch Elementary School. And, of course, that school borders the park where his body was found. Oh, man. So, just a horrific story. And and any any updates on that story, we'll definitely bring to you as, as we... Uh, as we follow up on this.
1: All right, coming up next, we will go to Montecito for the very latest on the rescue efforts. And oh boy, if you start uh, looking at all of the real people that this thing has affected, was it? Uh, it's I think it's K E Y T that yep. published yep. all the pictures. Ooh, more stuff for the rip your heart out file.
2: Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, a bunch of stuff going on today. Obviously, the uh, uh, assembled media from around the world have lost their minds over the president discussing S-hole countries, using the word, though, in an apparent Oval Office meeting yesterday. Um, he is also the president that is getting his first official medical exam today. We're expecting a comment from the Navy doctor who's going to do that, at least a statement from the Navy doctor is going to do it, and then uh, meeting uh, the median, I think it's next week sometime to get into more details about what he finds when it comes to the president's health. And then uh, the president first later headed down to Florida to, uh, to work with a bunch of the Haitian people who work at Mar-a-Lago. I think that's what he's doing. Just a guess. Well, the, the story that we've covered all week, unfortunately, is the uh, devastating mudslides that hit Montecito early Tuesday morning.
1: The human picture on this is starting to be unveiled, and it's devastating. The oldest victim, they're saying, swept away in this mudslide. man by the name of Jim Mitchell just celebrated his 89th birthday the day before. He died with his wife of more than 50 years. Her name was Alice.
2: Yeah, Jim was the oldest, the youngest of the victims that we know of was 3-year-old Kaylee Benitez, one of four kids who was killed. There was a 6-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old as well.
1: They are up against the clock. Up against the clock trying to dig through the muck and the rubble looking for any sign of survivors. Captain even... Fire uh, Fire Captain Gary Pitney said at this moment we're still looking for live victims. Uh, but he, you know, he he confessed the likelihood is increasing that they'll be finding bodies, not survivors, and that you got to start rea- uh, accepting the reality of I that.
2: How, I wonder how much of that is just an obligation. He's got to say, I mean, he's got to say that they're still holding out hope. But yeah. in all honesty, I don't know. I I don't know what it would be like to walk through the streets of Montecito. My understanding is that the entire area now is under a mandatory evacuation because. Not, not because of the danger necessarily that every day goes by, the danger of more mudslides seems to wane, but just the idea that they've got so much equipment that they have to get in there to clear out these areas to where they can even begin the search for the, uh, for the victims, for those who are still missing.
1: And spokeswoman for Santa Barbara County says five people are missing as of early today. They gave the number is 43 yesterday but said that many or most of those people may have simply been unreachable to the family and friends who reported they couldn't find them
2: that's a that's a good thing I mean I yeah. know that the, the number of missing I think from early yesterday morning went from eight to 43 back to eight and then up to whatever yesterday and back down to five that I think that's an okay thing and that's an understandable um it's an understandable problem, I guess, to have when you're dealing with that number of people in this wide of an area that was devastated by these mudslides. Uh, the, the train service has been restored now. Uh, the tracks were covered with mud in certain areas, and that's been restored. The 101 freeway is open as far as Carpinteria. It had been closed where it meets the 126 in Ventura. So they've been able to clear out certain areas of Highway 101, but especially right there through Montecito where the majority of these mudslides have just emptied out onto the freeway. I wouldn't be surprised if we find, uh, unfortunately, bodies in in the muck that is still on the freeway. I mean, there they they were people who were found a mile and a half apart. It
1: was just so powerful.
2: Well, jo- Josie Gower, I think we, we kind of talked about this the other day. Josie Gower... Had stacked a couple of rows of sandbags around her home in Montecito and figured that that would be okay. She lives on East Val lived sorry on East Valley Road. At about three in the morning, she woke up to the sound of rain on the roof. Walks downstairs. Uh, her boyfriend had been keeping an eye on the storm,
1: and that's when they open the front door.
2: Yeah, and and
1: look outside.
2: Right when they look outside, this wall of mud and debris and boulders as big as pickup trucks come towards their house and sweeps them right out of the front door.
1: She. Clings to the door frame, Her boyfriend reaches for her hand. Neither one of them could hold on. He's thrown against a fence and pinned there. He's buried in mud up to his neck. And Josie is sl- uh, swept away. He was in the mud calling her name for hours.
2: And had no clue what happened to her. I mean, it, it's it's probably pitch black outside and you get swept away. It turns out that uh, from the hospital, basically, he found out that she had been taken to the to the coroner's office. They had an unidentified victim, a petite woman, blonde hair and a telltale gold tooth. Her,
1: that, her body was found a mile away. Uh, it was swept for a mile. Yeah,
2: you, you, they're going to find bodies on that highway, I think. Just unbelievable. Um I don't know if you've also seen the video of the Prius that was riding the, the oh. wave. This was in Burbank. Yes. This wasn't Montecito. Yes. But but I mean, just to give you an idea of the power of. We had of, it
1: posted on our uh, on our webpage at KFI.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it is a crazy, crazy look. Now, look, the Prius is not the biggest car in the world, but still it was it. It's as if that car is not attached to anything. It's floating like a toy boat in the middle of the street down this uh, down this. Road in Burbank here, because of the uh, the mudslides.
1: All right, coming up next: Why you never really get away with murder? Either you get caught, or the guilt does you in, one way or another. Proof when we return.
2: Gary and Shannon, we'll come back. Oh!
1: Simple time.
2: Well, there's a, a new twist to this whole uh, s-hole fiasco. Just uh, as an update, talk to me, Goose. Well, Tim Scott, the uh, Republican senator from South Carolina, said his fellow South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham confirmed confirmed to him that the president did use the term s-hole countries during that White House meeting that Lindsey Graham was in. Uh, He said that the comments that have been widely reported by the press are basically accurate. That Lindsey Graham said he appreciated the comments of Dick Durbin, who I believe was the only Democrat who was in the meeting who came out and and tattled on the president for saying things. Interesting, uh,
1: then, that the president denied saying or using that language. Why didn't he just double down on it like he does everything else? Why didn't he come out with a tweet that said... Yeah, I called them asshole countries. That's what they are, and they're not sending us their best or something like that. I
2: don't know. It's a good question. I remember the um, the issue of what the president said versus what's going to happen are two very different things. You can say you want your president to have a little bit more decorum uh, when it comes to issues of international relations like this, and immigration, and who we let in and who we don't. Just don't be an a hole. Just you know, there's no there's no that does not advance the issue any uh, in any way. Um Whether or not you agree with what he said, it's it doesn't do anything to to change the immigration problems that we have in this country.
1: Let's go to Shingletown, California, shall we? Oh, what a beautiful place. Shasta County near Redding. They had a cold case on their hands. It was a murder, a murder that happened 25 years ago, 1993. A man walked into the sheriff's office and said, "I did it. I found God, and now I'm admitting to my murder." Horrible.
5: Horrible. Absolutely, hor- absolutely horrible. Every day, every almost every minute of every day, has been a nightmare. I said it's kind of kind of weird that um, Frank never even got to have a life. And either did I. We were teenagers, and now I'm 44 and still haven't even had a life.
1: And now probably most likely won't anyways. And
2: now he's he's talking about Frank McAllister is the guy who ended up killed.
1: Frank McAllister was 20 years old in 1993. And that guy, Brian, the guy who turned himself in, and two other people lured Frank out to Shingletown, California, under the guise of selling him some meth. Instead, they robbed... Frank, he was stabbed to death and all three left his body there and dumped his car at Costco.
2: They took his money. They took his car and they drove back to Redding where they abandoned his vehicle. Uh, in 1993, back when this happened, they knew that uh, Brian Hawkins and the Culver brother and sister were the last people to see him alive. But they said, we didn't do anything. We didn't have it. And the police had zero... Um, They didn't have enough evidence to tie them to the actual murder. The guy's body was found about a year later by hikers. uh, And at that point, you're not going to find any trace evidence or anything like that.
1: You can hear it in his voice that although he got away with it, although you could argue if you were trying to make peace with yourself that you were a kid, maybe you were into drugs, you were making bad decisions – you still can't run away from the fact that you took somebody's life. Killed a guy. And every day that you're getting away with it, technically, it's on your mind. It's there.
2: It's, you're never going to not think about it. Every single
1: morning you wake up is today the day I get caught.
2: Would Do you have something that you would like to say? No. Oh. I've been through hell my whole life because of this. He went to, we mentioned that he went to this TV station, KRCR in Redding, went to the TV station and said, I'm going to confess to this. Thankfully, the TV station, whoever it was that pulled the trigger on this, was smart enough to say, we're not going to air this confession unless you also go to the police department and turn yourself in right away. So uh, that was very smart. He he said what finally pushed him to come forward. God In Christ, these
5: things that have happened throughout my whole life since then, for over 25 years, have pushed me and pushed me to do the right thing. I know the wrong can't be changed, but this is as close as I can come to doing the right thing.
1: He sounds relieved. He sounds like a man with a weight off of his shoulders. He'll have a better life in prison than he did free and thinking about this murder. Chasing him, I think.
2: That's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think I would say that he'd have a better life. Uh, It would be more relaxed. Yeah. As weird as that sounds. Could you imagine
1: being stressed out about that? Something following you your whole life? Ugh. Couldn't even imagine.
2: And who wouldn't feel that? I mean, sociopaths, right?
1: Sociopaths. Psychopaths. They could kill without. That's the only population. And unfortunately, uh, proportionately, they will murder more (laughs) because they don't have that guilt
2: well and i wonder whatever happened to the uh to the other ones i don't know what happened to the uh i don't know either they said that the other the, two curtis and shana Shanna, the brother and sister that were supposedly with them were taken to the writing police department on wednesday but they and they were arrested and booked uh for homicide
1: so. interesting how nobody left that
2: small town well come on you've been if, there
1: yeah but if i committed <laughs> a murder there and got away with it for at least a year or so i'd get the hell out of there
2: that's weird, right? Very, very weird.
1: How did this show fly by? It's almost noon.
2: Oh, it feels like it's about ten fifteen.
1: I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have so much fun here.
2: Um, we're going to be
1: giving away a thousand dollars next hour. Next hour, and
2: the hour after that,
1: mm-hmm. we're
2: also going to be talking about movies that are coming out. That's uh, that are coming out this weekend. Jason Nathanson's going to join us to do that.
1: Have you killed anyone? that you want to let us know about now to, to make yourself feel more relaxed day to day. Is that why you're so quiet sometimes? At
2: 1230, Ryan Burrow is going to join us from ABC News. He's got the latest out of Washington, D.C., and these comments that the president supposedly made, uh, whether it's a big deal, whether it's not a big deal, it's causing some international issues, we already know. I mean, we have uh, U.S. ambassadors to uh, to other countries that are being uh, officially requested to show up at uh, whatever country's leader's residence to explain what it is that's going on. I
1: could get a priest in here. You could talk to him.
2: Like a Catholic priest? Yeah, I'm not Catholic.
1: It doesn't matter. God will hear your sins no matter what you are. I think. Oh no, you have to go to you have to go through your uh, you know, communion and confession and all that. Reconciliation. Why does why do, do you Catholics do, need operate? Wait a minute here. Do we do the reconciliation is that the one we go through, the sacrament we go through to confess our sins, reconciliation? Yeah. So we do that before we have our first Holy Communion. Right.
3: Because you need to clear yourself. That's crazy. <laughs> why?
1: That like a seven year old, isn't that one reconciliationist? Yeah, sometimes you, you like a it, seven you year old's young. gotta go confess his or her sins. Right. right. Good Lord. To an operator. That's one. That's one sacrament, and then you
3: got to go do it again right before you do your your first communion. That's
1: right, because yeah. you've got to be all clean. How old are you for that? Eight. Oh, it's yeah. It's geez, usually within geez. a year or so. Something like that's that. That's nuts, isn't it? There's when you're an adult and you start thinking about this that's crap. A lot, a lot of rules. steps. Yeah, Good there's lord. A lot of rules in that. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.
2: You can't get them that. all in. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue with what's trending right after the. It's Friday, it's Friday, 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 January 12th. The president got his first official medical exam earlier today. We're waiting for the uh, Navy doctor who did it come out with a statement. And then that same doctor is expected to have a news conference next week at the White House to talk more about the president's health. Um, it's also, always
1: one of those weird things. The president's I, health? Yeah. I mean, every president that... That we've had in my lifetime. I always think it's odd that we have to know all the ins and outs of their medical situation.
2: Well, I wonder if, huh? I don't remember anything before Reagan when I was alive, but I don't remember anything. I, think, I wonder how much of that had to do with his his mental deterioration yeah. later in, in those years. How much of that had to do with how important it was for us to see this. I don't think anybody cared how healthy Jimmy Carter was. How long did it take for, uh, like, F, the truth of FDR being in the wheelchair? Like, how long was it? Like, as soon as he was done? Oh, that's that a good people question. I don't know. Because I wonder if that has to do with it. I don't know.
1: Well, I think that that wasn't really as much of a health condition as he was just seen as weaker because he was in a wheelchair. And so he would only have photographers get him from, you know, the, the head up or whatever. Right. There wasn't anything really wrong with him, yeah. you know. Mentally, it mentally or yeah. anything or, you know, it wasn't cancer or anything.
2: Uh, anyway, also this international outrage now over uh, whether or not the president used the term hole to describe certain countries that uh, immigrants are coming from in a discussion about immigration policy at the bottom of the air. We're going to talk more about it because we're getting information, um, not just who was in the meeting at the time, but their reactions to it, uh, both Republican and Democrats who have now said that they pushed back uh, on those comments. So we'll talk about that a little bit later.
1: But But. now, everything everyone's talking about, everywhere.
0: Time for
2: What's Happening.
1: It was a unanimous vote. Today, state regulators have agreed to a plan that will see the closing of the last nuclear energy plant, power plant in California.
2: Yeah, Diablo Canyon, Diablo Canyon, whatever you want to call it. They finally voted to shut the thing down. It will begin the shutdown operations uh, six years from now, 2024. 2024. Um, one of the things they say is we just don 't we just don 't need it as much. It will not be economically feasible to run because of changes in our grid the growth of renewable energy sources, increased energy efficiency measures the the migration of more customers from traditional utilities to something they call community choice aggregation for their local electricity needs so
1: Facebook is in the news. Facebook is changing the way it will present news in your feed. It's been criticized about the quality of the content shared on Facebook and its effect on society. Hashtag fake news. Um, the changes announced this week say that Facebook will favor posts, photos, and videos in the news feed that are shared and discussed among users and their friends over those posted by businesses and news organizations. Remember all those fake news stories that appeared to be real news stories that captivated social media during the campaign last year a year before? That's what they're trying to protect against. This is going to be a blow to companies that rely on Facebook to reach customers. Does this mean I'll stop seeing the same pair of shoes that I looked at? On the right side of my Facebook page. <laughs> over
2: and over and over and over. For five over months. And over. They make
1: me hate those shoes. You
2: already bought them.
1: That's the other thing. When you buy something, I keep seeing the item. It's like, I, what do you want me to buy this again for?
2: Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is going to find this. This could potentially hurt their bottom line, hurt Facebook's bottom line. So instead of of $17 trillion a year in profit, they might make $14 trillion a year in profit.
1: It's not just us suffering from a bad flu season. It's the dogs. Two strains of canine influenza are sweeping the country, now making their way up California. They say the signs are kind of hard to notice. Your dog may be tired, more tired than usual, loss of appetite, coughing, sneezing.
2: Well, they say that there are two strains of it, H3N8 and H3N2, and that there are um, several dozen confirmed and suspected cases throughout the state, the important thing is you cannot get the flu from your dog. But you can give it to your dog. Yeah, so so you may be feeling sick and think that the best mes- medicine is for you to snuggle with Bowser or something like that. Don't, don't do that. Poor Bowser. Don't do that. They do have vaccines. If you have a question, call your vet. They know uh, the dog health better than you do.
1: Want a feel-good dog story? Yes. This is Oscar's feel-good dog story of the day. Oscar, I think you should present it to us. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. Well, this morning you were all teary-eyed about it. I love it. A dog (laughs) that made a 20-mile trek to go back to a family that gave her up for adoption. Not once, but twice.
3: That's love right there.
1: Kathleen... Is her Such, name? The
2: family abandoned it, though. That is, it's weird.
1: Gary wants abandoned a pet. Not true. Kevin.
2: No, I did not abandon it. I just put it in a place that was appropriate for pets that needed to be abandoned. I mean, not abandoned. That <gasps> I needed to prioritize my son over a cat. I know.
1: Uh, Kathleen, is her name? She's adorable too.
2: Six-year-old Great Pyrenees mix. The the owners of Kathleen moved into a house. In Seminole, Oklahoma, that didn't have a fenced yard.
1: It's okay, Oscar. So,
2: so they gave her away to someone who lived about 20 miles away in Prague, Oklahoma.
1: Blake, will you give Oscar a hug? He's, like, tearing up over
3: I love, I love stories of dogs finding their, their way back, you know, like this. And I think of my dog who walks outside and gets lost immediately at the end of the sidewalk. Yeah. He, he would never be able to find his way back inside.
2: Very funny. Oh, Ernie! Uh, Letterman is back on the news today.
1: Maybe you shouldn't give him so much pot.
2: He is. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should. He's putting out a new you monthly Netflix he likes series. It. <laughs> David Letterman has a new Netflix series called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. I wouldn't be able to
1: find my way back into the house either.
2: You're standing at the corner. Honey, I just don't know where I'm going. Oh, good times. Uh, It doesn't do really a monologue per se. He does uh, do Dave. He's still David Letterman, so he's still grumpy, still goofy. His uh, first guest, of course, is going to be uh, President Barack Obama.
1: How old is he? Letterman?
2: 70? 70? To guess, but uh, 70-ish. And then for those of you who can find one, it is National Kiss a Ginger Day. David Letterman is 70. 70 okay. on the nose. Boom, got it. Less than 2% of the entire world's population has red hair. Can you believe that? You have a ginger. I do. I have a couple of them in my family. Uh, but today, Friday, January 12th, is Celebrate National Kiss a Ginger Day. Are you going to kiss them today? I don't know if I'll see him today. He was in Tahoe all week. I think he's oh. on the road. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll just have to pick a random redhead and just give him a smack.
1: Or, or maybe not. it doesn't have no, to be no, a guy. That's not a good idea. I mean, whatever you want.
2: Oh, actually, we have some friends coming over, and they have a redhead kid.
1: Don't go yeah, kissing weird. random people's kids. Don't be weird. <laughs> I'll just tell him. And then you
3: just blame it on the day? Hey, That's...
2: buddy, it's uh, kiss a ginger day, so consider yourself kissed. Mm. All that sounds really yeah, wrong. Oh, you're right. I'll punt on
1: that. How about we give away boat show tickets?
2: That's a fantastic idea. How are we going to do that?
1: Uh, well, we can have people uh, call in. Like yeah. a phone number? Yeah, the way we usually do it. Okay. All right. Uh, family Four Pack, yeah. the Los Angeles boat show at the Fairplex in Pomona conveniently reached from all points in Southern California 90 minutes from wherever you are I don't think I can't say that can nope. I it is January 18th to the 21st first Thursday noon to eight Friday and Saturday 10 to eight Sunday 10 to 6 newest models latest marine gear and tech gadgets accessories anything and everything a boater needs you can purchase tickets at the los angeles check that just los angeles com, or you could call in
2: one 1534
1: Wait, we got to tell them what what number they want to be.
2: No, you want a number five, but how about six? Yeah, how about number six? One eight hundred five two zero one five three four eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Yeah, it's time to call. Come, come on, on, it's time, time to call. call.
1: Let's call. Yeah, we're yeah. just flush with things because we're gonna give away a thousand dollars when we come back. Tell you how you can win that, America, and
2: some Gas Fantasy foreplay news to tell you about. Gary and Shannon will continue. It's already
1: Julie. Friday? There was something in the air night. The stars so bright. Fernando. This is not Blake's fault. I requested Fernando because Fernando won the boat show tickets. And Fernando says he loves the show. And we decided to play the song for him. Of course he
2: does. I'm sure Thank he you,
1: probably Fernando. hates this song. Maybe it's one of those songs people sing when they meet him.
2: <laughs> Only you. Yeah. I never would have thought of this. That's true. You you thought of this. Well, if you didn't win the boat show tickets, we do have a $1,000 to give away.
0: You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword "bank" to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's
2: bank to two hundred two hundred. And if for some reason you don't win this hour, why we will give away a thousand dollars again next hour and all the way through Conway show in the six uh, twenty time. Pick it right back up again on Monday morning, starting with the wake-up call in Jonesy at 5.20.
1: Oh, we are nearing the end of the football season. It is very sad. It's a sad time of year. All the Christmas decorations have been put away. All the lights have been pulled off the house. And now we have to think about the end of the majesty that is football season.
2: Okay. Have you been writing that for, like... No. Oh.
1: It's just... Uh-
2: that was just, just a off gift the top I of have. your head? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. The word Well, we do Gas Fantasy Foreplay. We're getting right down to it. Every week we pick four NFL games from this week's schedule, and then uh, we'll make our picks here, of course, and then you can play along as well. There are only four games to choose from, so we're getting really down to it. Uh, we'll put the games up, and then when you play along, just use the hashtag Gas Fantasy Foreplay with the number four, and we'll announce uh, any winners on Monday, hopefully. And uh, because Shannon is horrible, horrible at trying to pick games you you don't
1: have to say that every time you're the
2: one who said it everyone
1: knows that my dad picks the games everyone
2: knows well and, and and ray joins us from way up in northern california ray how are you i'm fine gary how are you i am well uh i know that you and uh and your daughter have done a great job picking even though she'll say that she didn't do very good at the beginning of the year you have pulled her feet from the fire easy good and there's still a chance that you guys could win this whole thing.
1: Well, we're two games back, I believe. Yep. Oscar and Dad are tied two games back from you and Blake. Is that correct?
2: I think that's right. Blake's the one who knows all that. He's the one yeah, who that's what. Right. Okay. All right, here we go. Four games. Okay. All right, uh, Oscar, what's our first game?
1: First
3: game's going to be the Atlanta
2: Falcons versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. Blake, you get to choose first this one. This Falcons, is the Nick Eagles.
1: Bulls, Eagles.
2: Yeah, and that's why I'm going Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> All right, Oscar?
3: I am also going with the Falcons.
2: Uh, Ray, Falcons, Eagles. Falcons. All right, I also picked the Falcons. So that's mm. our first game out of the way. Game two. Game two, the
3: Tennessee Titans versus the New England Patriots.
2: And, Oscar, you get to go first.
3: I'm going to go with Tom Brady and the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh... – Ray, what do you think? Titans-Patriots. Um, Patriots, easily. Yeah, Patriots by about 42 points, I believe. <laughs> Blake? Yep, going with Pats. All right, there we go. That's two out of the way. Game three. Game three, Jacksonville
3: Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Ray, you get to go first on this one. Jaguars at the Steelers.
1: Uh, I'm going to
2: go with the Steelers. Yep, I also go with the Steelers. Oh, they you guys bend. aren't
1: betting on good old Blake Bortles?
2: I know that's weird. <laughs> I know that's weird. Blake, speaking of. Uh, Jags defense is good. Well, no. But the Steelers are better. Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Oscar, Jaguar Steelers.
3: The Jet, no, the Steelers. Oh,
2: yeah. All right. <laughs> And game
3: four. This right. is going to be the game, game I think. Game four. The New, or- uh, New Orleans Saints versus the
2: Minnesota Vikings. You guys, I'm taking the Saints on this one. I think Drew Brees, everything is clicking right for them. Saints over the Vikings there. Blake, it's the hard pick, and I don't have a lot to go off of on either side. <laughs> but I'm going Vikings. Oh, okay. Right. That's Some wiggle room there for the standings. Oscar. I got the Saints and Ray. Saints versus Vikings.
6: Uh, Saints. Yeah. It'll be indoor.
2: It'll, it will be, and it's going to be a good. I think you're right. That is going to be the good, good game of the weekend. That's Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ray. Thank you very much for your time. Have oh. a great Have a great weekend.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Bye, Dad. Yeah. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye, bye, Sean.
2: Ah, it's so great. So great. Uh, don't forget, you can play along as well on Twitter, whatever you want to play on. Make sure you use the hashtag #GasFantasyForeplay, 4 play and you get to pick each of the winners of the four NFL games as well. We'll give a little prize out to you on Monday if you win.
1: Coming up next, Swamp Watch, and I don't know how we're going to get to it all. It's going to be a big asshole. Is that too far? I thought it was the word of the day. I thought we were incorporating it in everything.
3: We're trying to say it as many times as possible
2: today. Yeah, except CNN gets to actually say it. Right. Well, we, we
1: could, but we're just above it,
2: Hoff. That's true. We are above it, aren't we? We are. We never say it. You know, we're not like above
1: that. a lot, but we're above that.
2: <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue.
6: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together.
1: Well, it has been dominating cable news and a lot of conversation ever since we heard what President Trump said about certain countries involved in the visa program yesterday.
2: And for those of the people, uh, for those, uh, what was it, six... Seven other people in the room. They have, uh, some of them have come out and made their peace with what was said, uh, if they even heard it. So, all of this has led to some international outrage in some cases, obviously, some outrage from within the United States. ABC's Ryan Burrow has been uh, covering this story, and I got to imagine this is a. this is a new one in terms of the, the, the type of language the president's accused of using and the, uh, the conditions under which he's accused of using it. What's going on in D.C.?
5: I have to tell you I've uh, I've been covering Senator Dick Durbin uh in Chicago for for years, uh maybe as as far as a decade and he's always pretty uh well spoken, pretty soft spoken, but to hear him actually use that word uh today during a press conference uh it kind of takes you back a little bit. Uh he essentially gave us the play by play of what happened in that room with those handful of senators and and representatives um and how the word was used when it was used. and and kind of how everything played out. Uh, He said that uh, Senator Lindsey Graham was presenting the case for DACA, and um, the president interrupted him several times and uh, said things, according to Senator Durbin, that were hate-filled, vile, and racist, and uh, said that uh, the words were very powerful when he used them. Um, Also, uh, he made his case as to why certain groups may need to be protected, including people from Honduras, El Salvador, and Haiti as well, many of these people uh, coming to the United States as a result of some terrible tragedy that happened in their country, whether it be a hurricane or some kind of uh, natural disaster or uh, maybe being run out of their country by uh, by a dictator or something of that nature. Um, and uh, the president, uh, we've now all heard the quote asking why the United States is taking in people from these countries. And uh, Senator Durbin said he, re- he was taken back by that. And um, he realized uh, that uh, he wasn't going to be getting much support for the DACA deal through the White House.
1: I'm curious as to why the president denied using the language instead of doubling down and saying, well, I stand by what I said. Maybe I shouldn't have used that language, but You know, the sentiment is the same the way we've seen him double down on other controversial things that he has said. But that wasn't the case when he tweeted and said the language used by me at the DACA meeting was tough, but this was not the language used.
5: Yeah, it is a bit interesting. And let's set up the timeline. First, the the Washington Post story came out yesterday with reference of sources who were inside of the room. We now believe those were probably the senators who were in there, likely Dick Durbin, maybe uh, Lindsey Graham as well, confirming that that was said. Um, He made that tweet early this morning. And then uh, later in the morning, that's when Senator Durbin appeared at that MLK uh, breakfast in Chicago. And he said, uh, no, he used that word, and he used it repeatedly, and it was hate-filled, and it was vile, and uh, went on to to describe it. So, uh, and one of the one of the interesting quotes from Durbin too is he said the most disheartening thing to me. Uh, is my belief that this was the first word, these were the first words that hateful had been spoke that had that had been spoken that hateful in the Oval Office at the White House. I think the president throughout history, and I can't imagine a moment where presidents sunk to this depth. That's what breaks my heart. Now, we obviously have not heard everything a president has said in the White House, and I can tell you, uh, as a former intern at at uh, span I had listened to some of those LBJ tapes. There were some vile things that were said on there. So, from that perspective. I, I, that might be a little extreme, but uh, I think when when referencing a uh, uh, you know a, a particular group of people, I think that's what what took uh, Senator Durbin back so much.
2: Well we 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 know everyone who was in the room, uh, or at least the the members of Congress Congress who were in the room. Senators Tom Cotton and David Perdue had said they don't recall the president using that word, at least not in that context uh lindsey graham said i you know i said my piece to the president right away dick durbin had said he's he said the words repeatedly we've got a few other people in the room who have not yet made comments you got house majority leader kevin mccarthy um congressman bob goodlat and then congressman mario diaz balart confirmed that he was at the meeting but wouldn't say anything about any of the details now that mario diaz balart is uh of cuban heritage i think his parents were from cuba and in fact he's He's related to, I think his aunt was once Fidel Castro's wife. And we're talking about the epitome of one of these, uh, to use the president's words, asshole countries, at least made that way by dictators. And I'm surprised we have there. If we've got three people in the room who had the opportunity to hear them, why are we not hearing from those three other people?
5: Well, I, I think the end game is the reason, and that's getting DACA passed, right? Uh, you, you have to find a way to get around this, because this has grabbed a full day of headlines, and that's a, a day lost uh, of getting DACA done, right? And and that's what many of these senators, many of these representatives want to get done. I mean, Senator Durbin said at the end, he said, look, I've got to find a new way now. We've got to make this work. Uh, regardless of what the president says, we, we've got to find some kind of solution here. Uh, hopefully, it's by partisan. So um, maybe they'll all go back to their their corners and, and see if they can hammer out a deal that uh, does not get the White House involved. But uh, that, that's going to be the top strategy moving forward.
1: This seems to not be blowing over. And that may be just because we're uh, we're on a Friday now. Maybe by Monday, this will all be uh, a distant memory. Uh, I but mean, it,
6: we've We've, we've gone through this cycle, though, a bit, haven't we? Yeah. We feel like, oh, it can't get any crazier than this. Oh, it can't, and, and
5: then, you know, something else happens. So um, we'll see. We'll see if this is just a blip. I think for, for the senators, from the senators' perspective, he, he seemed as though he had been deflated because he and Lindsey Graham had worked very, very hard to put this deal together. They thought they were getting the support they needed, and uh, they just were getting a lot of static, obviously, in that meeting. Now they've got to go and make these individual calls because it doesn't appear that the president's on board
2: uh background question here did you guys you being abc news people did you receive uh word from on high that you were not going to say the word on the air today
4: yeah, well, we'll pull the curtain
5: back a little bit. There was a lot of discussion. I I'm in Chicago, so it was a lot of email discussion and a lot of our reporters, a lot of our producers said we should. I mean, it's out there, um but the fact of the matter is we've got affiliate stations and you know, if there is a fine levied, uh, it's going to be levied on them. So, um from that perspective, ABC said, you know what, let's let's cool it. Everyone seems to know what the word is. We don't have
2: to say it. Yeah, it's it's been fun watching some of the cable news outlets uh well, with a certain just, amount of glee say it, you know it's six times a minute
1: here's the thing the print people can print it sure the mm-hmm. cable news people can put it on their crawl yeah there's no reason for them to speak it
2: true yeah so but, but they still do
5: but I mean, it, but, and the cable the cable doesn't have to answer to the FCC right. either. so oh, that's that, right. that, true that's a big part of it that's why the CNN's and the MSNBCs might be able to get away with it whereas you know your the local affiliate might not be able to
2: right Ryan thank you. All right, take care. You bet, Ryan Burrow there with ABC News. It, it is it is funny when you think about that. I mean, Dick Durbin said it in his in his you know sort of impromptu news conference this morning, and I played the cut for you very early on today, where uh, where he did say it. The thing is, we don't have to. I mean, you know what he's saying when I bleep out the certain part where not he says more, it,
4: not just once, but repeatedly. Uh, that was the nature of this conversation. Where did he go? Do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments.
2: Well, he said it in there. I ended up uh, taking it out. But since he said it, legally I can – we can play it.
1: think anybody wants to – you know what it is. Why can't you just say asshole? Right. Are you stealing some of the power of the word? Give me a break.
2: Uh, here's a statement from Mario diaz Ballart that I was looking for. For months, I've been involved in numerous high-level bipartisan meetings negotiating DACA, including Thursday's meeting at the White House. That's all he says. I mean, he goes on, there's almost 800,000 young DACA beneficiaries who will face imminent deportation if we do not reach a deal. I will not be diverted from all possible efforts to continue negotiating to stop the deportations. Nothing will divert my focus to stop the deportation of these innocent people whose futures are at stake.
3: That statement also says means he said it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, Lindsey Graham reading between
2: the lines. Right. Yes,
1: it, Lindsey Graham has enough. Uh, I guess you could say power
2: gravitas
1: gravitas to say, "Hey, I confronted him, him about this." But I don't know about some of these other lesser-known Republicans. Yeah, if I'm, they need the the Trump machine more than than Lindsey Graham does.
2: And in all honesty, I mean the the words. What do you that benefit? He used, I mean, it's. I, don't know. it's I, I think Paul Ryan put it best. It's just unhelpful. I mean. I don't have a problem that the president has a potty mouth. I've asked presidents to have potty mouth sometimes. You know, I, I wanted to see like that there was some emotion in in President Obama. I always felt like he was leaving some of those things on the table because he was so calm and so, uh, you know, thought thoughtful about stuff. I wanted him to let it go every once in a while. So I'm not concerned about the, the, the language. It's just it's unhelpful to the entire discussion about changing and fixing our immigration.
1: You wanted him to let it go? Not like that. Oh.
2: Not like he's got icicles coming out of his fingers. Let it go. No,
1: not like that. Swamp Watch. More of it when we come back.
2: Gary and Shannon, will continue.
4: Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you die.
1: Just a side note into the Hollywood swamp. TMZ reported today that LAPD has an appointment with the LA County DA's office next month to go over all those Harvey Weinstein, James Tobach files. And sources familiar with the investigation tell TMZ that the LAPD sexual assault section is now winding down its investigation couple more interviews, and then comes the appointment where they present it all to the DA and say, what can we do?
2: <laughs> Did they rub their hands together like that?
1: Yes. Uh,
2: in the 1 o'clock hour, Jason Nathanson from ABC News is going to join us. We're going to talk about some movie stuff coming up uh, this weekend. We're also going to get into that uh, Elon Musk story. We told you last week about the Silicon Valley orgiastic parties that go on. Ugh. Elon Musk admits now he was at one, although he didn't know that's what it was. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. He thought it was a uh
2: That's what I would tell my wife too. A costume party. party. Gosh, it was until you know I was there until one thirty, but uh it wasn't until like 1.15 one fifteen that I realized, hey,
1: everyone's around me having sex. And adult costume parties raises one's eyebrows, right. doesn't it?
2: Yes. It's all furries.
1: Unless it's Halloween. Nope. No, then it's furries too.
2: Still still furries. Uh, we uh, are you others- going
1: to ask everyone to come in costume to no. your Super Bowl party?
2: No, no, I'm not a big costume party guy. No, can't remember the last time I went to a costume party. I should take that back. One of the very first times we went to a party when we moved to Southern California was a Halloween party, and it totally was one of those parties.
1: My husband will not also uh, don a costume for Smart. set occasions, so I end up. Forcing him to wear things I find around the house. Like guess like we just do this and you put that on and then you could be that. <laughs> <laughs> you could be that.
2: Uh, one of the other stories that's coming out of D.C. today is the president is again extending the Iran nuclear deal, but said that he is going to that this is the last time, he says, he's going to terminate the agreement unless Congress uh, and our friendly countries, our other European allies agree to strengthen this whole thing. Um, he wrote, uh, this is a last chance in the absence of such an agreement, the United States will not again waive sanctions in order to stay in the Iran nuclear deal. And if at any time I judge that such an agreement is not within reach, I will withdraw from the deal immediately. By the way, I don't think he wrote that. Just a thing. That does not sound to like his language when it comes to uh, discussing the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, the other deal is that the president is... Now on his way back from the medical facility at Bethesda, Maryland, Walter Reed Medical Center, for his first medical checkup as president. Uh, Not a big deal, Uh, although because he has said things like he was always the greatest athlete and he's probably the healthiest president to ever be president, there are uh, some significant things that people are anticipating, I guess.
1: This is not his doctor that he could ostensibly pay off to say whatever he wants, like he is the most fittest president ever to ever to serve. Um, This is the doctor who's been serving as a presidential doctor for four and a half years.
2: Yeah, this this guy's not going to make it up.
1: Who knows? He might. But it's not President Trump's own doctor that he plucked.
2: Well, Dr. Harold Bornstein, Bornstein, Bornstein was the guy who said that he is in excellent physical health. Not that we believe that he's not just that there was no evidence thereof, and it was in the December 2015 letter back during the uh, the campaign and during all of the, uh, the debates. If elected, this is from the doctor, if elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Uh, blood pressure, cholesterol measurements were in the healthy range back then. He uses a cholesterol-lowering statin. Uh, EKG, chest x-ray, echocardiogram, blood sugar. All of those were normal. 6'3", 236, uh, and a reach of about 35 and a half
1: inches. When are we going to get your medical exam done? I'm not a big doctor guy. I'm trying to remember the last time I had one. Well, I had okay, one done. That's not a good thing to say. That's not something to be proud of. I'm just I'm saying, not a big doctor guy. I have
2: not felt uh problems that I've had yeah, to go. Yeah, but
1: you don't feel problems. Like, You should get things checked out, like your heart and things. Mom,
2: I will. I went in September to get a checkup uh, because there was a chance I was going to fly with the Blue Angels.
1: And they checked your heart and all that?
2: They said everything looks good. They said, wow, do you work out? No, that's not what they said. Are you a former athlete? (laughs) Former? (laughs) All right, we come back. We'll get into movies, all that stuff still coming up on Gary and Shannon. So we're going to talk about some movies here in just a second. Just to update you, though, we also have $1,000 that we're going to be giving away a little bit later this hour. Tell you how you can win that.
1: Well, look at this bombshell the Wall Street Journal just dropped.
2: I'm not sure it's a bombshell. Well. But go on, yes. <laughs> this just came out from Wall Street Journal's The Wall website. Street Journal
1: reports that a lawyer for President Trump arranged a payment to an adult film star a month before the election as part of an agreement that precluded her from publicly discussing an alleged sexual encounter with Mr. Trump. Michael Cohen, that's not a new name, spent nearly a decade as a top attorney at the Trump Organization. Michael Cohen reportedly arranged the payment to the woman, Stephanie Clifford, in October of 2016, when her lawyer negotiated a non disclosure with Michael Cohen. Stephanie Clifford's name on stage stage is Stormy Daniels.
2: Oh, now I recognize her.
1: You know Stormy? You've spent a Tuesday morning with Stormy? What? Just kidding, no, she's much prettier than that. She's very pretty. Stormy Daniels has privately alleged that the encounter with President Trump took place after they met at a celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe back in July of 06. Of course, the president married Melania in 2005. The White House official has commented saying these are old recycled reports which were published and strongly denied prior to the election.
2: Well, the Wall Street Journal did ask for comment from people like, oh, Michael Cohen. And he said, listen, this is now the second time you're raising outlandish allegations against my client. You've attempted to perpetuate this false narrative for over a year, a narrative that has been consistently denied by all parties since at least 2011. Uh, He also sent a two paragraph statement by email that was addressed to whom it may concern and signed by Stormy Daniels, not Stephanie Stephanie Clifford, but by Stormy Daniels denying that she had any sort of sexual or romantic affair with President, uh, with then-Mr. Trump. Rumors that I have received hush money from Donald Trump are completely false, she said, even though she directly has not responded to multiple emails seeking comment. So um, the lawyer said, I previously represented Mrs. Daniels, and all he would say to the Wall Street Journal was, attorney-client privilege prohibits me from commenting on my client's legal matters. In any way.
1: Stormy Daniels is a Republican. And she uh, ran for Senate, or she tried to, she was going to run it for Senate back in, in 2010 to uh, run against David Vitter in Louisiana.
2: I don't know if there's much to this.
1: No,
3: but, you know. It's neat, though. Do you want to know what kind of awards she's uh, won? I'm not
2: sure. The... I think that's a uh, great, Best great New idea, Starlet,
1: but... Contract Babe of the Year. <laughs> what does that mean? A crossover Female Performer of the Year. What does that mean? Oh, I guess hooked up with men and women? I don't know. Uh, Favorite Breasts, she won that in uh, 2006. And the
3: Triple Play Award, Dancing, Performing, and
1: Directing.
2: Did you say dancing?
3: Dancing, performing, directing.
1: A trifecta, as it were. Oh, she won Favorite Breasts again the following year in 2007. And in 2009, she did not win Favorite Breasts in 2008.
2: Ah, must have been an off year then.
1: We can move on. Yeah, we gotta. We can move on. We
2: well, uh, Jason Nathanson is going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the James Franco story because he was a no-show last night. But if you are in the uh, the Hollywood world, there is a there is a me-too economy.
1: This is fascinating because it's not something that we thought about. Well, and we should have. We it, should have seen it going to this. Level.
2: We could have started our own PR firm. Where no? Well, you could have. No. Listen, you could. We could have said, if you are accused of these things, come to us for. Or how about this? We will consult you on whatever statement you're about to make in response to these allegations.
1: That's true. We could craft a good statement. We could also talk about behavior moving forward. Like rule number one: leave your penis in its pants. Ah,
2: man! I always thought that that's rule number four.
1: What's rule number one through three? Just be nice. No, be nice is not on the list. Oh.
2: We're gonna we then we're gonna have to pencil through this list because mine was all. I think out of most order, importantly,
1: yeah? you leave your penis in the pants. All the time? Haven't we learned that through for the last five or six months? Yes. If the penis stayed in the pants for all of these guys, each time, there'd be no problems. M- most Fewer of the problems. time,
2: yes. The new ecosystem of sexual harassment consciousness has uh, prompted some cottage industries like life coaches. Life coaches who are taking these uh, suddenly fired uh, directors and producers and helping them plot their next few moves.
1: Sir, don't take your penis out of your pants.
2: Again, you said that's rule
1: number Well,
2: okay, I'll give you that. for Just for the sake of argument, it's rule number one. Uh, chief people officers are being brought in by companies to redefine the boundaries of what would be correct and appropriate workplace behavior. It's
1: crossing the boundary, sir, when you take your penis out of your pants.
2: Yeah, but is that rule number one? There's a spike in calls to established professionals who deal with crisis management, law, and mental health, so there's plenty of business to go around. Lawyers, it should be no surprise, are the ones who are getting the biggest payday in all of this uh, me too stuff that goes on because uh, for example, Jeannie Harrison is an LA based employment lawyer, t- specializes in sexual harassment abuse cases and says day after day after day I've been receiving phone calls as women start banding together coming forward it gives power to the rest of us to do so do so she says. Mark Garrigus, Marty Singer, Sean Hawley all have told the Hollywood reporter, that the the fall, their phones began ringing off the hook when the Harvey Weinstein story hit the news in the first place.
1: Yeah, could I get any money out of that guy that rubbed my back in 2008?
2: Well, what's funny is they're saying that there are a lot of those calls, too.
1: Yeah, I bet. Like
2: calls that are 30 years old or calls that don't really rise to the level of sexual harassment. Someone is just there to try to get a payout. Um, crisis managers, for example, publicists who specialize in crisis public relations.
1: Hotlines. Can we run one of those?
2: Just a hotline? Yeah. Well, yeah, we could
1: take calls.
2: Just from the people who have been accused? Because, again, I think our 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 strong suit would be we could take... crafting an apology or crafting mm. a statement in response to allegations that don't get them into further trouble.
1: I think our strong suit would be taking calls from guys who want to know if it, maybe they're thinking of a behavior in the office. Maybe they're thinking of asking a, a, a girl out. Maybe, maybe Blake's got his eye on someone around here right. and, and um, now doesn't know what to do. Like, because he doesn't know how to navigate that in this new Me Too 2018.
2: Step one, Blake, take it out.
1: And we could – no. No.
2: no. Uh, see? You're good. You're learning. <clears throat> yeah. Step two. You know what I mean,
1: though? I mean? I bet there are so many relationships that begin at work, in the office, in work situations. I met my husband when I was working. That sounds so bad. It sounds thing, like I'm at a strip club or something. Yeah. And, and the, the first I was thing you did was take it out. Uh, no. No, okay. no. No, 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 no. F- but it's only because you guys were in
2: public when you met you, right? Uh,
1: no. Oh. What's the matter with you?
2: I'm learning. You learn by but asking questions. I think
1: that this is one of those things it's hard to navigate now. Uh, how do you approach that girl that you're interested in at work now that this whole Me Too thing is happening? And we could help with that, I think. I think that's a niche.
2: Start with, hey, you want to go out to dinner, sugar teas? No. I'm still learning. I mean, this is new for me, too.
1: I'll take the calls. Lucky for you,
2: you already got one locked down. I have to go navigate. Well,
1: I might not when I get home. Why don't you craft an apology for that right now? Why don't you craft an apology for, hey, you want to get dinner, sugar teas?
2: For everything I've said up to this point, it's not a bad idea. Speaking of... (laughs) <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's give away $1,000 and cleanse our palates, shall yo. we?
0: You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200.
1: Speaking of sugar teas, I had to. No. I couldn't. We're not doing that at work. We're not doing that at work. Got it.
2: Jason Nathanson from ABC News joins us. Hey, Jay.
6: I'd be disappointed if Shannon didn't go there, introducing me.
1: Amen, wow. sir. Amen.
2: <laughs> we, I'm happy. We, uh, <laughs> we're we talking about the whole Me Too economy that has kind of popped up in Hollywood. James Franco is the latest big-name guy to have been caught up in all of this. Uh, I saw, I didn't realize the Critics' Choice Awards were last night, but he, he wasn't there. He was not there, and he won. Uh-oh. And this was in the first
6: hour of the show. He was, which was not televised. It was streamed the The second two hours were televised on the CW. But the first hour, he won Best Actor in a Comedy for the Disaster Artist, which he won at the Golden Globes the other night. And since the Golden Globes happened, you know, there's been allegations, an LA Times article, five women accusing him of misconduct and various things. And so when his category was up, okay, was wondering, and then he was announced as the winner. And you couldn't hear a pin drop because it was a big thing, but the, the applause was tepid at best. I mean, it was the lowest amount of celebration for anybody I've ever seen win an award at one of these things, ever. Uh, so, you know, a couple of light claps, and then uh, uh, the it was Walton Goggins, I think, who was doing the announcement, uh, said, And James Franco's not here tonight. Uh, We accept this award on his behalf. Um, And that was it. And, I mean, you know, not surprising that he wouldn't be there because it would be kind of awkward if he were.
2: Well, what kind of an impact do you think is this going to have on the Academy Awards? Because we haven't even seen the nominations yet for the Oscars.
6: We haven't. The nominations are actually happening right now. People are voting on nominations. They close today. So this has been a bad week for anybody like that. I'll tell you, it's been a good week for Michelle Williams. With all the stuff with the pay gap thing and, you know, all the money in the world. Yeah, you know, name-
1: we uh, I, we were talking about this off the air, I think, yesterday. And, and the story was that Michelle Williams reshot all the money in the world, the Getty story that they they uh, they fired Kevin Spacey over because of his sexual um, misconduct. She reshot all of her scenes for free. But Mark Wahlberg. Demanded $1.5 and it was kind of held up as another income disparity between men and women in Hollywood example, and I was talking to Gary about it, and I was saying, you know, I, I kind of can see this playing out. Like they came to Michelle Williams, and they said, we got to get rid of Kevin Spacey because he's a super creep, and we got to reshoot all these scenes Will you do it. And Michelle Williams, thinking that she wants to be on the right side of history and all of that, is like, of course I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes to get rid of this creep kind of mentality, right? And then they go to to Mark Wahlberg, and he's like, I'm not working for free. Probably didn't even cross his mind that this was like a social justice job kind of thing.
6: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it was probably in both of their contracts what would happen if there were reshoots. And it's my understanding that in his contract that he gets paid for reshoots. Um whether or not this is actually a reshoot, falling under, under the definition of typical movie reshoots, you know, that can be argued. But at the same time, they both have the same agency. Yeah, why wouldn't you have
1: – why would he have money for a reshoot in his contract but she wouldn't?
6: They have different agents, and that's what it comes down to. And I don't know who's negotiating what for whom, but that also goes to the kind of entrenched whole thing about – pay gap and gender equality when it comes to these things in the negotiations. Maybe they didn't fight hard for her, but they fought hard for him. He's, you know, the biggest moneymaker, the the most highest paid actor in Hollywood. Uh, so his people are used to driving hard bargains for him and getting him the cash.
1: Can you imagine um, that? Like in like when we were all kids in nineteen ninety two and uh Marky Mark and the funky bunch were sweeping the nation. <laughs> Can you imagine that he would be the highest paid?
2: Was it somewhere close to $70 million last year?
1: Yeah,
6: and that was on the on the basis of Transformers, I think, mostly, uh, which did not do well here in the U.S., but did okay around, around the rest of the world. And no, I would not have imagined him being the one who would be <laughs> the highest paid of, of all the people. Um, or would you imagine Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that he was going to be, you know, right. the big star that he is. Or but, that
1: Donald know, Trump it's, it's would be president. <laughs> was, I
6: mean, so much has happened, right? But if, But all this publicity for Michelle Williams and her performance for that film, especially if the Academy wants to send some kind of message this is the week to do it because those nominations are happening right now so she might get helped because of that and on the other side james franco and his movie the disaster artist which was kind of on the bubble a lot of people like it but not enough maybe to get the prestigious awards we were going to see um and this week definitely hurt its chances
2: uh let's talk about some of the uh, movies that are coming out this weekend because uh, the post uh, the washington post story about the uh, pentagon papers Goes uh, for wide release. It's already been in L.A. for uh, a couple of weeks now. But that will go wide. Um, And it looks like there are a few others that could potentially uh, make it to the top of the uh, box office when we rejoin uh, on, I guess it would be Monday or Tuesday since it's the holiday weekend.
1: Liam Neeson's got a new picture coming Yeah,
2: Talk about Liam Neeson playing the same character in the last 12 (laughs) movies that he's done. I
1: love that character. That's another thing I wouldn't
6: necessarily have imagined that Liam Neeson would be the kind of action star that he is, but he has grown into this role. And the commuter is the latest one from him. He plays a businessman who's on his daily commute home. He's on a train and some woman comes up to him and says something mysterious. And all of a sudden he's in the middle of some kind of criminal conspiracy and he's got to save the train and save the people and save the world. Um, it's getting, uh, okay. Reviews. It's, probably not going to make a whole bunch of money. Of the four new wide releases this weekend, it's probably going to make the least amount of money. Um, $15 million or so, which isn't a great start. It's not terrible, but it's not a great start.
2: Uh, let me play just a quick clip from it. Someone will have
0: to pull a knuckle bit! And one of us will have to go
2: And then, of course, Liam gets one little blind in there.
4: I probably
1: uh, see that.
2: I'm yelling my exposition and it makes it sound better. I'll see it when it comes on uh, TNT or something.
1: The like room that. has a limited re-release. This has <laughs> been much talked about. I watched the trailer. I spent two and a half minutes of my life watching the trailer this week of what is arguably the worst movie ever made.
6: This is the movie at the center of The Disaster Artist, which is James Franco's movie, and he plays Tommy Wiseau, the guy who's at the center of the room, the guy who decided, you know what, Hollywood's not giving me a chance, I'm going to make my own chance. And he's super rich, so he decided to make his own money, uh, or his own movie. Um, He's also the guy who tried to take over the mic of the Golden Globes on Sunday when James Franco got up there, because he invited Tommy up there to just be with him but not say anything uh so this is yes yeah, so you know it's it's grown in cult status it's become like a rocky horror picture show they play it at midnight in certain places and people shout out the lines um uh, <laughs> oh hi mark is one of them and it's one of the best lines from the actual movie itself from from the disaster artist there's a line oh hi mark which is just very very funny and it's it's in the movie uh,
2: do you have to see the room to understand the disaster artist no, not at
6: all. I, I didn't even know about The Room. I had no idea of its existence until I started to read a little bit about the disaster artist. And then I saw the disaster artist having very, very little knowledge of what was going on. You don't need to know. It, well, it would probably enhance. And it. I think it would, at the very least, I think it helps anybody who's listening right now to know that this is based on a true story and this movie existed and it was terrible. What would you um, see
1: first, The Disaster Artist or The Room? <laughs>
6: Uh oh, that's a you know I'd probably see the disaster artist first. Yeah, and then the be all because at the end of the disaster artist they show you some of the making of the room and it kind of whets your appetite. They, you know they do one of those things. Look, this is actually real. We're going to show you real clips from the movie itself, um, and they compare and contrast the, the the versions that are in the disaster artist and in the room. Um, so I'd see the disaster artist first. It's going to whet your appetite, and then you're going to want to go see the
2: room. I don't know if I'm going to want to go see the room. but
1: I i kind of, I have a weird fascination with it, yeah. Uh,
2: Proud Mary is another one coming out with Taraji P. Henson. Uh, she's a, a hit woman working for an organized crime family in Boston. I love Taraji P. Henson. I don't know if this is the right role for her.
6: I love rated R Taraji P. Henson as well. So <laughs> that's what this is. So if you like, you know, the the network version of Taraji P. Henson that you get on Empire, this is rated R. Um, I don't know much about this one. Um, it's actually supposed to make pretty decent money. It's going to compete with Paddington and The Post, which are all three of them are going to be in the same kind of neck right there. So it's supposed to do pretty well.
2: And what about Paddington? This is the sequel to the original. Paddington I guess that too. Makes sense?
6: yes, which this morning, at least when I checked, had a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So you can believe it. Yeah. Paddington 2. People like that little bear. Um, you know, it's, it's, if, if you like, if you know Paddington, if you like Paddington, if you saw the first one, then this is the movie for you. Um, you might be lost, though, if you didn't see the first one and try to see this one. Really? I'm just saying.
2: No.
1: Oh, I it. was like, that's a first. <laughs> I totally no, but, believe but that. But if you see The Room <laughs> was all before in, you Jason. see Paddington
2: 2, it's definitely true. <laughs> oh, and then uh, there's another one. I think Acts of Violence is a limited release. This is uh, Bruce Willis' Paul Hauser vehicle, it also is getting really crappy reviews. But um, I don't know if anybody really wants to see that. But tell me, if you will, uh, David Letterman is coming back uh, with his first Netflix show today.
6: Uh, he is. Uh, it's out now. You, uh, the, uh, my get, next guest needs no introduction. And his first guest is former President Barack Obama, who apparently needs no introduction as well. This is one of the first Netflix series, I think, maybe of all of them, to just drop one episode. So this is the first episode. We'll get the next one next month, which is with George Clooney, and then they have a whole bunch of other people uh, scheduled. And it's getting mixed reviews. Uh, Lots of talk about Letterman's beard, which is full and prominent in this. Um, But the Washington Post says uh, uh, both men seem rusty at the art of banter. They're off their game. The interview doesn't produce any surprising or newsworthy statements from Obama, and I've seen that in some other places as well. You're not going to find – he's not going to rip Trump a new one if that's what you're looking for. Um, It's it's a lot of – I mean we've seen these interviews before from President Obama. He can be kind of wonky and boring and go on for a long time. And there might be a lot of that in here.
1: Jason, I just saw this on Twitter that Leo DiCaprio is going to sign on for um, Quentin Tarantino's film about the Manson murders.
6: I've seen that, too. And he was one of uh, the—there were a couple actors circling it. I don't remember the other one. Uh, But Leo was one of the ones that they really wanted. Um, And that'll be interesting. I think Margot Robbie is also—Tarantino wants Robbie um, to play Sharon Tate. So, um, you know— the. that would be,
3: be perfectly, Kat. That would be interesting.
6: That will definitely be very interesting yeah. to see. I was, was I was thought, though, you guys were going to ask me. I don't know if you heard me talking to Jennifer Jones Lee this morning.
1: I I, her, I wasn't I up that early gossip. today. No,
6: I gave her some backstage gossip about the Critics' Choice Awards, and I thought you guys were going to ask me well, about No, that. no it's it.
1: here. It's here.
6: Just between Just us. us. There's, there's, there's some good stuff, but I'm not going to tell you who. It, this would almost be very good for a whip around, except I'm not going to give you the answer. <laughs> <laughs> last night at last night at the Critics Choice Award. huh. I was at the Urinal next to one winner who did not wash his hands. Ooh. <laughs> Which winner at uh, the Critics Choice Award? Was
1: it Bill Handel? Would that oh. be? No.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was not.
1: Hmm. Can, I, so, can, can I can I can I see that we're, let me see that list that of winners list,
2: there. Uh let's see. Somebody won for Shape of Water, so uh, I'm assuming Guillermo de Toro.
1: No, uh, Guillermo washes his hands.
2: Uh, he won Best Director. Best actor was Gary Oldman. Uh, and since and you were in the saying. uh urinal it had Sam to be Sam Rockwell?
1: A woman. Sam Rockwell, he's had a, a he's week weird. Was not, he was not there last night. Okay. Oh
2: no no big surprise, huh? Uh Brooklyn Prince is a girl. Jordan Peel, get out.
1: oh no man
2: interesting
6: i'm not i'm not not saying yes or no to anybody i'm not i'm Uh, I'm not not. saying yes or no to
2: anybody sure you're not jay now have a great weekend Thanks. you too jason nathanson there from abc news latest on what's going on in the hollywood and we come back uh a little bit more about uh bonuses did you get a bonus did you get a bonus you get a bonus and you get a bonus and you get a bonus. We
1: have a list of all the companies giving out raises and bonuses because of tax reform. It's right here in our hands. And we'll tell you when we come back.
2: Darren and Shannon will continue.
1: blaze bernstein's murder we've got an arrest in connection
2: i was expecting this yesterday but uh, today will be just fine um we do have a person in custody in connection with the murder of blaze bernstein the 19 year old college student whose body was found in borrego park this week he disappeared way back on january 2nd Uh, the orange county sheriff's officials confirmed this to uh, channel 7 today no further details immediately released we do know that they had found uh, DNA evidence that they were trying to expedite the um, the identification of in an attempt to make sure that they could close this case pretty quickly. And it looks like they have. Remember the they friend
1: that help. he allegedly went to the park with, had cuts, abrasions on his hands, dirty fingernails. He said he he, he got the uh, injuries because he's part of a fight club. He was the one that went to the park with Blaze uh, 930, 1030 at night and then says blaze just uh kind of disappeared so he left he went to his girlfriend's house he said and returned to the park in the middle of the night because blaze wasn't responding to him on snapchat when he was pressed on what his girlfriend's name is where she lives he couldn't come up with the answers my guess is it's that friend who's in custody
2: yeah we'll find out in the next uh, probably hour or two about the arrest and and exactly who it is Uh, The story about giving out bonuses and raises. Uh, Walmart became the latest company yesterday to announce one-time bonuses related to the new tax law. They said also that they're going to raise their minimum wage to $11 an hour. Uh, Obviously, our economy has been doing well. If you are a a believer in the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average as a true indicator of the health of the economy, it's been blowing through record, uh, every single week, it seems, we've been setting records for the last uh, 18 months or so.
1: Here are some of the other companies that are going to be giving out raises and bonuses because of the tax reform. American Airlines. American Airlines says it will give about 130,000 employees a $1,000 bonus.
2: at and also said that. at and in fact, the day that Congress passed the bill said it was going to be giving a $1,000 holiday bonus to 200,000 U.S. employees.
1: Bank of America says that those making up to one hundred and fifty dollars per year would receive a one-time bonus of $1,000.
2: Comcast, uh, Fifth Third Bank Corps has said so. Southwest Airlines also said that they would celebrate the recent tax reform legislation by giving full and part-time employees Thousand dollar cash bonuses. A
1: thousand dollars. It seems to be the number that we keep repeating. That seems to be what the bonus structure is for these companies that are uh, allegedly passing on any sort of tax benefit. The fact of the matter is, a thousand dollars to a hundred thousand employees is peanuts.
2: Considering what it is, they believe that they're going to be saving. I mean, if we cut the corporate tax rate from thirty-five percent down to twenty-one percent on its face, that makes it sound like we're going to be saving, or that. The corporations are going to be saving a, a whole bunch of money, but I have yet to find a corporation that actually pays the 35% uh, as opposed to, you know, working the ways that you and I would work our deductions, for example, and come up with less than our uh, our tax rate that we're taxed at and the effective tax rate is closer to half what we would usually pay.
1: This is one of those uh, reports that the trickle-down enthusiasts can point to and say, look, everyday people are taking advantage and taking a benefit to these corporations tax cuts and maybe they're right for these hundred thousand people here and there that are getting an extra thousand dollars maybe they will pump that into the economy but it's not broad it's not sweeping it's a hundred thousand people here and there and it's only a thousand dollars
2: it is but it's it's something I mean it's it is. It, it is something Wells Fargo is another one that said that they're going to raise their minimum wage. Up to fifteen bucks an hour. Of course, they're a California based company, so they were gonna have to anyway eventually. But they said we believe tax reform is good for our economy. We're pleased to take these immediate steps and invest in our team members, communities, small businesses, homeowners. The thing that I've uh, that I've not heard a lot of discussion of is what of which of these companies were giving out bonuses before, if any.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you gotta think about how much of a how much you're willing to pay for a PR bump. You know, you look at American, totally. right? Look, Absolutely. American, I don't know how much American's worth, but it's a lot of money. And are they wa- willing to pay the 1300000 million they'll pay in these $1,000 bonuses for a PR bump? Of course it's worth it. Of course.
2: Because not only is it a PR bump in terms of externally, people think, oh, American Airlines is given back. The employees are more likely to, I mean, you're going to think a little bit nicer about your own company if if they're handing out 1000 bucks here and there. Like we do. That's why we've been giving away $1,000 an hour for the last several weeks. ABC, Am am I
1: right? Yes. ABC 7 has footage now of a young man being escorted by two plainclothes detectives, Orange County Sheriff's Department uh, department detectives, uh, escorting him from an unmarked vehicle from the back of the uh the car into uh what i believe would be an orange county sheriff's department uh, facility there
2: so, looks like it is young man is going to be the friend all right uh we'll continue to update that we'll come back with some more information about that and also elon musk has confirmed he was at one of those sex parties up in the silicon valley but he didn't know that's what it was sweetie honey i swear i didn't know it was sex party
1: would you go to an adult costume party without your wife don't answer that. I think you would. I think that's kind of up your alley. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what the context
2: would be. Like today, if I got an invite for a party tonight at a like, but it's a costume party.
1: Oh, maybe a week in a, a week advance, so you've got time to plan your outfit.
2: So I got a plan to come up. I have time to go to the Halloween store in the middle of January and buy a Superman outfit mm-hmm. or Batman's or something, or Zorro. i don't i can't think of any superheroes that i could be
1: i like zorro okay that's good
2: so i'll be zorro that way i can wear the mask
1: i think zorro would fit in at a sex party superman maybe not because it's that whole outfit i didn't think i was gonna wear the whole thing gary and shannon
2: zorro does the thing where he like cuts her dress
1: yeah Yeah. exactly why he would work at a sex party
2: Uh, all right. We'll continue. Maybe. Gary Shannon. A couple of stories that are you going to hear about through the course of today. Obviously, the president, his meeting yesterday about uh, whatever DACA deal had apparently been worked out. He wasn't happy with it. But the comments that he made about certain countries, including whether or not he called them asshole countries or not. Also, the president's on his way to Florida for the weekend, but he had his first official medical exam today. Uh, Navy doctor did the work and uh, the Navy doctor is going to hold a news conference next week. I don't know if that's usual or not, but the hold a news conference next week to talk about what he found. But the big news locally is there has been an arrest in the Blaze Bernstein case, uh, and as Shannon referenced, we've already seen video of a couple of plainclothes officers taking a, a young kid out of a uh, young kid, maybe late teens, early twenties at the oldest, uh, out of the back of an unmarked car at one of the Orange County Sheriff's uh, Orange County Sheriff facilities. And we don't know much about who this is yet, but we do know that there is an arrest and it is directly connected to the death of Blaze Bernstein, whose body was found in Borrego Park there in Orange County uh, two weeks after he was killed.
1: Well, we told you about the Silicon Valley after hours parties of all the tech karate, I believe they're called.
2: Tech karate. I, tech- I, I like I it know. either way. Uh,
1: about how they like to have uh, orgies. First reported on John and Ken, I believe.
2: They broke it. There's a new book about the culture in the tech industry. Emily Chang wrote it. I think she is a writer for the Daily Beast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But it's called Brotopia. Um, (laughs) That's ridiculous. She revealed in a party in 2017 at a venture capitalist house that she allegedly saw drug taking and open sexual behavior. Axios identified it as the home of a former investor, a guy named Steve Yervetson. Another blog post said they didn't see any explicit sexual behavior. They did see Elon Musk there, so somebody goes, "Hey, uh, let's get a call into the into Musk and see if, in fact, he was there." So, in a statement to Business Insider, a representative for uh, for SpaceX and and Tesla founder. Elon Musk said Elon was at the party for a couple of hours and left after 1 a.m. after taking uh, sorry, after talking with several DFJ funded entrepreneurs. That's the investor about technology and building companies. His impression was that this was a corporate party with a costume theme, not a sex party. And there was no indication that it would become
1: one after he left.
2: You find that uh, believable? No. No think he knew all the way. I
1: think one knows when one is going to a sex party.
2: Well, if that, that piece that we read last week, they made it, the author made it very clear. Everyone kind of, you know, getting the invitation.
1: The invitation says something like jungle erotic chic attire or right. something of that nature. Not,
2: not black tie or business casual. Or not like, or, hey, let's
1: wear costumes. Let's be stupid.
2: Dress as your favorite 80s sitcom character.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No sexy jungle underwater theme or something it's, yeah, it sounds
1: it's like a, the grotto I, I like to use your trigger words sometimes late on a friday and see what happens
2: so that i dry heave the entire drive home <laughs> yeah appreciate that
1: that is very very good
2: all right so we will uh rejoin on monday uh don't forget you can play our gas fantasy foreplay uh, on Twitter and Facebook, etc., just tell us who you think is going to win the four football games this weekend. I'm not
1: going to leave the couch.
2: What do you mean? I know who I'm going to oh. play
1: in your '80s costume party. Who? Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to look like on Monday.
2: Uh, I have to go to a volleyball tournament on Sunday. What? So I'm going to be watching football on my phone while gloriously applauding my daughter. And what her time hard is work.
1: The, the the what does it start?
2: Eight. It'd probably be over about one. But then there's a drive. Oh, the drive. first
1: game's not till 1.30. On Sunday? Oh, yeah. that sucks.
2: Tell me about it. Mm. Tell me about it. All right. Have a great weekend. Oh, See you Monday. Parenthood. Johnny and Ken up next. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon's side studio.
1: Show Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon show. It's
2: Tuesday, so that means Neil is going to join us in the one o'clock hour. And
1: how about the president's reaction to his foot? Right. Oh, my God. You're so hungry. That's sad. I just feel like a be a lot of work to have one pancake not 500 i don't have to feed anyone else. and there's
2: no recipe on the back of the bisquick for one one pancake
1: yeah blake god okay gary how about a little interview here okay great sorry pound 250 on the cell and say solar max you heard
2: her top you heard her now pound 250 on the cell phone say solar max monthly pay a little bit (laughs) I'm just going to do this. Call Max now. Ask about that $69 a month offer. Just dial... Just dial... T-
1: hey, what's up with that Papa Nostos guy?
2: Papa Nostos?
1: Yeah. What are you going to do you with him? a couple
4: field goals, Shannon.
1: What are you going to do with him? Is he
2: out of the family?
1: Yeah. No Uzo Well, first of him.
2: all,
6: as you if you knew... Uh, The Greek uh, last names, you would know that the O.S. with that last name there means he's from a completely different region from K.I.S. We're from Crete. Uh We're Cretans. Uh, He he could even be from Macedonia of all places. Oh, good Lord. Yeah.
0: So he's not even part of the family. He, He might be a mountain person.
1: Oh, that would explain oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, well, that's why he missed the
6: field goal, because of altitude.
1: Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show. A Friday
2: cold case. A man tells a guy the thing about, whoa.
0: This has been Gary and Shannon's Side Studio Show. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloop, bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, it, you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep scrolling up. I think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven, cause it hasn't. Gary and Shannon.